0: Valverde Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 277. And man, we got a doozy for you. Houdini and I are going to be letting loose on tight ends. We're going to be doing this over as Zencaster. He's in Chicago. I'm in Michigan. But we're going to go through and give you everything under the sun that you need to know about the tight end position heading into the 2017 Fantasy Football season. What's up, Houdini? How you doing, brother?
1: Good. I think we're about to blow it up like like North Korea. I actually have that in my
0: notes. (laughs) as something to talk about. I'm like, yeah. You know what? We'll start out with it. It sucks. For, what, five, six years, I've been using the tagline for our draft kit. It's like a weapon of mass destruction on the rest of your league. I realized, I realize like, yeah. last night, I'm like, I can't use that this year. I've been using it. It's, like, in all of our, like, anytime I promote it, anytime. I even had it on a, as a Facebook, literally a Facebook post last week. Uh, Buy our pyro draft kit. It's like a weapon of mass destruction on the rest of your fantasy football league. It just has a whole new meaning right now. You can't say this. It's, like, too soon or something.
1: Like the world has never seen before.
0: Oh, my God. The likes God. of which. I think we just – we we won't, we won't mention any names, but this is this is terrible. I haven't felt this worried since – I was honestly scared about the Cold War Russia back when I was a kid. And everything's been really good. There's been – we we – you know, Russia just turned, USSR turned into a bunch of Russian uh, countries, and everything's been good. The North Korea and South Korea have their problems. We've had issues in the Middle East, but never been scared. And now uh, I'm scared. I, I posted on Twitter the other day, this could be our last fantasy football season ever. And then John Paulson a 4 for 4 uh, responds. He's like, that's if we make it to September. <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, unfortunately things are just like crazy you know what just what just happened here we're recording it's uh uh what wednesday night and uh north koreans just came out and had a detailed plan of how that they were will take a shot at guam um with a multiple uh missile attack and it's like you know these are just things where the escalation is is getting out of control so the one good thing about fantasy football is at least it's a a great way to take your mind off of all these crazy things that are going on in the world right now. And there are a lot of crazy things going on in the world, so let's li- let's lighten the lube, uh, lighten the lube, lighten the lighten the lube, lighten the mood, and let's talk a little fantasy, man.
0: All right, I agree. We 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 got it out of our system, but fuck. This shit's fucked up. Let's go to some hot fantasy football takes on the tight end position and just talk about these guys. Uh, good times all around. Obviously, like most positions um, in the league, it's, it's a deep, it's a deep uh, situation there at tight end. Um, but at the same time, when it is so, you, you can, it means you don't have to dive in so early. Uh, What do you got to say? It's a different
1: thing, right? Because we've seen the evolution of the tight end position. But what we've also seen is an evolution where you have uh, multiple tight ends on teams that that sometimes are eating into each other as well. And you never get that top production. Everyone, when Gronkowski was having those amazing seasons, then he became a first round draft pick. But never did anyone get the return on investment that they needed for that high of a pick in him. And what's interesting is, and we'll do a little bit of delving into some of the history of tight ends and how they've actually been scoring as far as rookie tight ends, what you can expect out of them, um, and just kind of understanding that I think that this is such a fluid position this year that there's no necessarily – no no runaway number one uh i think there's a group at the top and i think there's a big grouping of guys in the next about 10 to 12 so it, it makes for very interesting uh decision making about how and when you want to reach for them
0: i agree i mean pretty much four out of the top five um tight ends i mean, jesus even more than that five out of the top six tight ends I have kind of four out of the top six, let's say, have have an injury beware kind of label attached to them. So you go high on any of these guys, and um, we'll talk about them. But we know the names: Gronk, um, Reed, Eifert. I mean, those guys are injury-prone dudes. And then you go on top of that, and um, it's 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 a scary scary situation as far as health at the position. So, um, well, let's go. What we're basically going to do. We're going to go through our tiers, our collective tiers. We just submitted our third version of our tiers uh, last night to Stag Party himself, who's not on the show tonight because he's actually uh, bringing home and working on our draft kit, uh, version 3. So we sent that to him last night, and essentially what we're doing is um, going off of our collective version of our tiers, and that is Houdini, myself stag party the heartbeat and archer all submit our tiers, and the collective is the average for the the position so we're obviously just covering tight ends on the show and we're so we're going to basically be going off the collective of tiers. so tier one number one rob gronkowski new england patriots i'm gonna i gotta close the door houdini so i'm gonna let you uh just spew for a minute and i'll be right back on
1: well i mean obviously we all know that rob gronkowski is the number one tight end i mean just for sheer ability to score touchdowns the way that he does uh he's the ultimate difference maker at the position uh the fact that he has such a rapport uh with tom brady that that again takes it to another level now on top of that you look about what's changed in the offense from last year to this year and as far as gronkowski is concerned the changes are positive changes for him. So having Mike Gillisley now be the lead back and having it not be LeGarrette Blunt takes away that hammer that scored 18 touchdowns last year, which is going to give Gronkowski more opportunities in the red zone. Adding a Brandon Cooks, who gives the, the offense an element of that deep threat that they haven't had before is going to help loosen up some coverage for Gronkowski. So while there's still a learning curve for as far as the um, – uh, connection between Brandon cooks and between Tom Brady. The one that's always consistent is Gronkowski and Brady when he's out there. So I think when you look at the the changes that the team made from last year to this year, it sets up to be a much better year for Gronk and especially to be able to score more touchdowns.
0: And he's a touchdown machine. That's where he, you know, he makes his bread and butter. Obviously Uh, you look last year, he only played eight games <clears throat> had a 540 uh, yards and three touchdowns. Definitely is uh, his lowest touchdown season. And you look at a guy like Eifert, who only played eight games as well, had one more fantasy point in a standard scoring system, but had five touchdowns. So uh, Gronk, you know, I think he's he's going down more like the third round. Uh, as opposed to where he's been going in the drafts for the last three, four years. Uh, I think people have gotten burned by him, and buyer beware. They're not kind of going back to the the well. I'm still not even sold in a lot of mock drafts that I've done and a lot of – you know, things mocking and and whether that's with our crew for the draft kit or whether that's actually we've done a expert league draft and or whether it's on fantasy football calculator or whatever. You know, I like mocking. I know you do too. I, when I have Gronk on my team, I don't have that comfort zone feeling there's other guys I like in the third round more
1: yeah it's interesting because there's there's a time and a place in the third round where I think it can make sense let's say that you're talking about like a 12 team league um, where you're on the turns right? so when you're going from that, that, that second to third round of where you're going more from that third to fourth round if I'm at one of those turns where it's like I would maybe would rather like to grab two wide receivers, but I just don't like the two that are there and Gronk is sitting there. And then I think it makes sense. But as long as I'm having to, you know, I, I, don't, I agree. When you're reaching for a tight end early, you're hoping for a lot. Gronkowski has the ability to, to deliver, but at the same time, at least you're getting him at a much better value if you're able to get him in the late third, early fourth round, say like in a 10-team draft or, uh, or, or late third in a twelve. You know, but again, I I agree with you. I look at the depth of this position, but Gronk is the only one that has the potential to score 12 to 13 touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Well, I think also. To your point, there is a draft strategy that I do like uh, because it's something that I feel I can build upon. And me and Staggs talked about it a few podcasts ago, different strat- draft strategy approaches. Uh, check out that podcast if you haven't. I think it was about three, four weeks ago now at this point. but One of my favorite draft strategies right now for the first uh, five rounds is the Tier 1 approach. Get as many Tier 1 guys as you can, and then build from there. And you can do that if you're grabbing, if you're early in the draft, you can get a Tier 1 running back early, or you can get a Tier 1 wide receiver, and then with your second, third pick, you can grab, like, uh, an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady and a Gronk. I wouldn't suggest doing a Brady and a Gronk, but there is something to be said about coming out of those first three rounds with the Tier 1 essentially maybe number one guy like Rogers and Gronkowski are at their QB and respectively tight end that I think when you do that I know I can craft a team with some great picks from there on out and there is something sexy about that so if I'm at the beginning of a draft and in kind of the one two three four spot coming back I agree with you a Gronk might be in the third round might if he's there God, you can sit there and you can have an Antonio or even a Ezekiel Elliott. Then you can grab an Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Not that I would do that, but it's interesting and a Gronk. Like it's kind of sexy to come out with that kind of talent. Yeah,
1: the thing is, when you come out with that, it's always why it is interesting. Is you'll see a lot of these teams will, will do that, and then you look at their team at the end, though they don't necessarily do a good job of backing up their team. So they're definitely. I agree. With but that. what ends up happening is it doesn't matter because I remember teams that have ended up either winning the league or having the best uh, regular season, not because they had the most depth, but because their nine top players played every week, stayed healthy. You know, so grabbing those top tier guys are usually the ones who are who are more apt and prone to give you those full sixteen uh, slate games.
0: And between me and you, I know that you have the same confidence level and you're drafting middle rounds, you, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth through the twelfth. I think those are the defining picks in the, any draft. I feel like I'm. I've seen other people screw it up in the second half of the draft. I don't think I would. Um, I think I'd be able to build upon it and then keep on building other layers of dominance. Are is it um is your TV on or is it lightning over oh, there? Oh
1: no, I actually have the TV. I have it on mute, so it's just it's just flashing in the in the, in the background. So I'm just, gonna cool. no, uh, I,
0: just I couldn't uh, tell if you were like looking ballistic at ballistic
1: missiles and making sure that nothing is being launched and if so, uh, uh, you will just all of a sudden see me disappear. <laughs>
0: I was thinking about it. I'm up at the lake house, and we actually have um, a septic tank in the backyard because we used to have you used to have to do everything. Uh, your, your sewage out this lake would go into the septic tank, and you get that emptied every once in a while. Now, we've, a couple of years ago, we connected to an actual plumbing system, and I was thinking to myself the other day when I was out on the boat, I was like, you know what? I could turn the septic tank into like a doomsday room. <laughs> yeah. Because now it's not used. This is a, there's a septic tank in in the hill in my backyard that's basically like it's disconnected. It's just this big, huge area that poop used to go into that's totally empty. That I could just figure out a way to remove the septic tank and replace it with like a fortified barrier. Enough with we gotta quit talking about nuclear weaponry. Hey, you know
1: what? I'm telling you what the uh, the, the, the bomb shelter sales. I may I may go into bomb shelter sales. <laughs>
0: God damn it. Unbelievable. Um, All right, let's go on. Gronk, let's move on from him. I think, you know, I'm worried about targets for him. I'm worried about his health. Uh, There's, I mean, have you... have you ever seen a team with so many receiving weapons? I mean, even think Hogan, Malcolm Mitchell, obviously Ed Cooks. There is so – there is, I mean, the Gilleslie, the James White ended the season on a high note. Deion Lewis is back. The, Tom Brady is the one that benefits from this. He is just every play going to have just this unbelievable litany of
1: people that – he can get, get the ball out. Well, I, I think I do think that the, the the additions do help Gronkowski, but I think that we all have to realize those years of Gronkowski getting 12, 1,300 yards are not going to happen, you know, because of all these other guys in the offense but i think he does have a potential to become that solid uh, 10 to 12 touchdown guy again this year so that's really where the bread and butter is going to be made yeah. you're not going to get the you know you, you might get, you're going to get an occasional 100-yard game from him but you're not going to get like 400-yard games from him you're you're going to get close to a thousand, you know just over a 1000 yards on the season most likely so hope for the touchdowns that's why it's as long as you're getting him at a decent value if you can get him in the fourth round it's 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 a, amazing. Uh, if you want to reach for him the end of the third round, just make sure that you have a good balance.
0: Yeah, I agree. I like that call. Okay, let's go on to our second tight end. Um, the only other tight end in Tier 1, and that's Travis Kelsey. An amazing stat just to think of. In standard scoring last year, um, Travis Kelsey would have finished as the 16th wide receiver. So, And that was on If you can believe this, that was on, oh, he had five, uh, I'm sorry, four touchdowns. So he only had four touchdowns, and he's still able to do that. I don't know I feel like the ceiling hasn't been reached with him and as an owner of Kelsey you know how high I was on him last year I think a bunch of us were but I had shares of him in every team in every league uh obviously came through for us in some of our pyro leagues and individually literally I think I had him on every team um I watched a lot of their games which I probably wouldn't have had I not had him and there was a ton of missed opportunities we've talked about it. it's like Alex Smith missed that guy on a bunch of big plays, uh, wide open, and so I think he he hasn't scratched the surface yet, to be honest.
1: Yeah, he's an interesting player. Now, he also has uh, was dealing with a little bit of a knee injury here uh, so far this this last week, so he's another one that you didn't mention in the dinged-up category, but he can get dinged up, too. Um, The quarterback situation is the thing that, that really concerns me here. You know, if it's not Alex Smith, then we're going to the rookie. And you know how? I mean, granted, at least the tight end is the easiest throw for the for the for the rookie quarterback to make. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I look at Kelsey as a guy who I love his talent, I love his ability, I love everything that he brings to the table, and he will be on none of my teams.
0: Yeah, well, he definitely moved up. Last year, he was about a fifth rounder. Um maybe a fourth and bigger and the fourth bigger leagues, but about a fifth rounder last year in most areas um, paid off. This year he's eked up higher and higher in many leagues. I see him going in higher than Gronkowski. Uh, and a lot of people have him ranked higher because it, while he can get dinged up. He's, he, he has played 16 games, uh, you know, the last few years. So, uh, and
1: here's the problem with trying to rank him higher than Gronkowski. And this is the thing that I just don't get. You know, Kelsey didn't have all that great of a season. You know, it was just that Gronkowski only played in eight games. Um, when I look at those two offenses, it's night and day who has a good offense and who doesn't. Who has an offense that has the potential to put up juggernaut-type yardage in a, in a game and another one that most of it's probably not going to go, I mean, I mean, probably half the yardage. On, on the season, they're probably going to finish with over 1,300 yards less of total offense than the Patriots.
0: Yep. No, I agree. Um... But he is the he is the number one. Eh, maybe Tariq Hill. I, I hear you. I think if you love Kelsey, then you love Kelsey and you're just gonna go grab him. Um, but there's there's like anything, there's 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 a word or two, as Staggs likes to say, on any player. If if I can find value and I'm looking around and he's the guy that, that is the highest of my tiers, I'm not scared to draft him. Um, Alex Smith, the team, I get it. it it could be a better situation, but I'm not scared to draft Kelsey, but it does seem that it's coming at a higher uh, price than, than it was last year. So what I want what I've been doing, and we'll talk about him in two players, but I've been going for another guy that's going in the range that Kelsey was going last year that I think can be have just as good of a season. So let's go to tier two and go to um, you know tight end3. Based on our pyro collective, and that is Greg Olson Olson obviously is getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a cold shoulder it seems um, via um, i don't know respect he doesn't seem to be going as high as as necessarily he should be. Um, but he's got three state, three straight one thousand yard seasons. What are your? I know he's been a guy that's been on all your teams for the last few years. No one's liked this guy more. Are you still in, or are you worried that that Father Time's going to finally rear itself? Well, I,
1: I'm, I'm with you. And when you look on the collective tiers, the guy who we're going to talk about afterward is where I'm at with you, um, who is also my number three. So we'll get there. I have Olson as my fourth tight end, and I think of it. this well,
0: we can let's mention them and kind of collaborate between the two of them because they are kind of
1: in that same
0: uh, – let's mention the next guy. We've got number four in Tier two, fourth tight end is Jimmy Graham, a guy that two years ago I thought was written off from the microfracture surgery uh, last year and obviously had a tough time learning the new system in Seattle. Uh, but last year just showed this is not an injury that's hampering his skill set, and he's a beast. He's a work, workout warrior, and uh, he wants to be a great – all time players, so um, you know we can talk about them collectively at the same time because I think they're just very lumpable yeah, together. Yeah,
1: and the thing is this: I look at Greg Olson, and I love the fact that he's he's had over 123 targets. Um, he's basically 123 to 129 targets each of the last uh, three seasons, so you know exactly where you're getting with him. But at the same time, his touchdown total went down last year. Um, I I just worry about him now we're we're a 10-year career going into his 11th season um you know there is more mileage on him now 32 years of age so i i look at jimmy graham and jimmy also is is fighting to get back and i i kind of like that chip on the shoulder more and you look at what jimmy has done since he's you know, gotten to Seattle. It's been two years. He was a relative disappointment in his first season uh, while he was there, uh, only gaining uh, 605 yards on uh, 48 receptions with two scores. But then he comes back next year, goes, he increases from 12.6 yards per catch to 14.2. Catches 65, and this is on 95 targets, okay, 923 yards with six touchdowns. So when I look at that he seems to be still more of that impactful guy in the offense um you know not that much of an age difference honestly when you're looking at it between him and Olsen they're only 2 years apart um but for for whatever reason I just kind of I'm I'm leaning toward Jimmy on that bounce back uh Jimmy to take a bigger role in this offense now um I think Eddie Lacy is not a Marshawn Lynch, so I think that's going to open up some more opportunities for Jimmy as well. But I just look at Greg Olson as that. I don't want to be – I'm loving the run that he's on, but it's it's an extended run. How long can it last?
0: And the one thing we know with the Panthers is they've been so talent-deprived for years. It's just like, where else is Cam going to go? We're finally this year – it's kind of the exact opposite. Finally, they have tried to get some talent, some weapons, some specialty players that can can make some magic and do some things where I think Olsen isn't the only uh, flavor in town anymore. So I, I agree. I think Olsen is a guy that won't be on any of my teams. He's still – I think he's where he's going is is ADP worthy. I don't think he's like, getting drafted high, whereas I feel I can – previous seasons he was like being underdrafted and coming into value and you're just like what does this guy got to do to get inside the top five uh, rounds? Um, I just don't think that's really happening anymore. But I think Olsen I'll stay away from. But Jimmy Graham, I've been noticing he's essentially on every one of my expert leagues, which I think we've done two so far. I've got a draft in the Blog Talk Radio League on Sunday. Uh, Hopefully no one's listening to this. But I I think we'll probably target him somewhere and try and get him in that one. Good stuff all around. I, I I'm with you. I like the chip on the shoulder. I have a feeling that G, uh, Greg Olson and Jimmy Graham have worked equally hard all off season to be badasses for this year. But Jimmy Graham seems to have a better story for him to for this year. And the one thing that's year. interesting
1: about Jimmy Graham that 14.2 yards per catch. That's the highest in his career. So you go back and and, yeah. and here's a guy that. Uh, has also had three double-digit touchdown seasons to his credit. So, um, you know, and finally last yeah. year, and he, he played the sixteen games, but he looked. He looks like he's finally meshing with this team and understanding that his his shelf is his shelf life in the NFL is limited. So you want to make an impact. I want that guy with that chip. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Last thing I'll say about. Um, Jimmy is Jimmy's got two of the top I think 7 tight end seasons in the history of fantasy football. So, this is a guy that, that that gets it done at the highest point scoring level ever. All right, let's move on to in tier 2 our fifth tight end and that is Mr. Jordan Reed who is currently banged up. Like um I think he's yeah, he's always been yeah, he's always banged up. Um so, his points per game exceed that of Kelsey over the last two years, but he's always banged up. When he's in there and everything's going great, I mean, that Cousins and him connection feels like, um, you know, almost Steve Young, Jerry Rice-esque. They really know how to play off one another, and it's Gronkian. It's when he's in it's a badass you're pretty excited <laughs> you're, you're whoever you're playing, your foe is scared shitless that Jordan Reed is going to go off when he's healthy and and he's playing you' you're you're like this fucking guy I hate playing against him, but when he's banged up it's 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 a it's a bummer, and he's already got a toe injury
1: yeah I, I don't know that I agree with that though I don't know that he's gronky, and you know this is the one thing where it's like let's look at the perfect juxtaposition of why he is below both Jimmy Graham. And George, and, um, and uh, Greg Olson. Targets, 89 targets. He had 114 the year before in 2015. Um, so he does get a high volume of targets, right? But we talked about Jimmy Graham with the 14.2 yards per catch, and even the year before it was 12.6. The last two seasons for for Jordan Reed, 10.4 and 10.9. So here's a guy that's not getting you the yardage. So 66 catches compared to, what do we say, it was 65 for, for uh, uh, Jimmy Graham, only 686 yards compared to 923, same touchdowns at six. So the way that they use uh, uh, Reed is, is kind of frustrating to me because they, they always use him on like the flat outs, but it's never an out and up. So he's just usually just kind of like that that possession type receiver. He's that safety blanket for Kirk Cousins, and I get it in a PPR sense. There are games where it's like when he was on on that pace, you know, he was almost a hundred uh, reception guy in two thousand fifteen. That's where he was making some major hay, uh, and he was scoring touchdowns that year. So I don't know. I just look at Jordan Reed as, as a frustrating guy because he gives you like those games where he's really doing it, but I think the biggest problem for him is a guy named Terrell Pryor. That guy is going to get a heavy, heavy workload, more so than the guys who were there that left the team in Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson.
0: I don't disagree with that at all. I think the one thing that scares me most about Reed is he does play banged up, and it's like, he's hurt, but he's going to give it a go. And he did do that last year, I think three or four games. He was basically just in there, maybe almost as a decoy, where that's one of the reasons you look at his stats, and you look at it, he played 12 games. Really, he was probably healthy for eight. And a lot of these games, he was just going out there and limping around, doing the old Anquan Bolden thing where it, it kind of fucks you over. So, Jordan Reed, definitely not going to be on any of my teams as much as I love a Kirk Cousins. He's kind of my go-to middle-round quarterback, um, and I absolutely love. Uh, I've jumped on board the Terrell Pryor uh, bandwagon as well. So I, I, I like the whole action. I don't think their offense is predicated on Jordan Reed being healthy, and I think you'll see if he can't put together a healthy season this year, we're going to kind of start he's going to start moving down around to the 10th guy and we're going to be like all right we've had enough you can't stay healthy and if a if a if a hurt toe can sideline a Deion Sanders and say it was the worst injury of his life is I think it's done. It's done Happened to other great players as well. Imagine cutting and whatever with a banged up toe. It could be problematic for Jordan Reed. So let's go on to um, the last guy in tier two, unless you got something to say. I'm
1: just laughing because you're talking about injuries and then you're going to talk about this next guy who is basically has never played. Now in four seasons, he's played in 30, uh, 37 games.
0: Yeah, and he never seems to start out the season, uh, always gone for the beginning. So if he can make it through and start game one, I like him. Um, Tyler Eifert, a league winner three years ago, um, like a last-round pick that just blew up for 13 touchdowns that Pyro called. Um that he was one of the best picks you could do. Uh but I agree. Eifert, Trubs, all around. Uh but uh, with AJ Green back He's he's a touchdown machine. He's basically what weapon number two. Now you got uh ja, uh Reed or not Reed, what's his name? The new kid. Uh sorry. Ross. Ross, oh sorry. Opening up uh opening it up. He is so he's such a touchdown guy um but i don't know what, what can you say about him what are your thoughts are you I, I, here's
1: the one thing i like about eifert at least going into this year because i believe i believe this is the last year of his rookie contract um so he does have something to play for here i don't think he's been extended if i'm not mistaken so um i like to have that chip because you you really got to prove it now you've you've not proven you've demonstrated a a proof of not being able to stay on the field in your first four seasons so you need to demonstrate now. If you're going to be viable, whether it's going to be with Cincinnati going forward or whether it's auditioning for somebody else who's going to give you a lot of money, you need to do it all and play through everything. He needs to have one of those those years where you just like Musha Muhammad it and then steal money and then just completely fall off the table when you get signed by the Bears.
0: Oh, yeah, we've had that happen. Yeah, I think he's so touchdown dependent. Um doesn't mean he can't do it. Eifert, talent wise, he's 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 a he's a, he's a tier one guy. Size, body, talent wise, you take away his injury prone miss. Um, he, he's a tier one guy, and I like the situation with him where he's basically the second favorable target with a Dalton, who we I think we all think has some good things in store for the 2017 yeah, but, but season. But here- we'll see. You look at some the projections are one thing to beware with with Eifert. You look at projections, some people have him like having, you know, coming up there at 700 yards and recreating the, the, the 10 or 11 touchdowns. And if everything works in the stars line, everything works great, and then yes, that's it. But uh, be careful with uh, overwhelming projections for him because. A few games missed, and it's all for Well, I mean, that's the whole thing.
1: So, I mean, yeah, you want to go ahead and extrapolate. Last year, he played eight games. Let's go ahead and say that it was 16. Double his numbers is going to be coming close to 800 yards and 10 touchdowns. Well, that's pretty good. Right? <laughs> it's pretty much what
0: everyone does. It's hilarious. Right. Uh, but
1: at the same time, I think with the, the history that you have to look at, here's a guy that has only gotten over 500 yards in the season once. He's only played more than 10 games in the season uh, twice. Um, I... I just I look at it and say this is where there's a clear line, okay, where at least with, with the guys like Jordan Reed who had had um, 87 receptions two years ago, you can make a better argument for there to be that, that combination of things. This is not a PPR guy. This is a standard league touchdown type of a player, but this is where you can really see the difference in this tier versus what was above it. And this is where I think to me is the beginning of – A lot of these are not that much difference between tier, what are we in, tier three and tier five or six.
0: I think afterwards, for me, is where it falls off. Maybe I agree with you that Eifert could be bundled in with these guys. But before we get to tier three and we talk about the next batch of five tight ends that are in that tier, number seven through 11, how about you do us a favor and listen to this word from our sponsor. Thanks a lot. We appreciate that. Um, Good stuff, uh, Houdini. Before we get into this tier three, I just want to uh, take a quick moment and give a uh, pyro promo, talk about some of the cool stuff we got going on at pyromaniac.com. Basically, we are going to be releasing version three of our pyro fantasy football draft kit, the best one out there. I I won't use the tagline we talked about earlier, but uh, we'll be releasing that at the end of the week. Could be Thursday night, could be Friday, it could be this weekend. I know Stag Party's uh, birthday is this weekend. He's trying to get it done before then, so I anticipate it coming out about Friday. Uh, Basically, if you've already bought it, you are awesome, and you're sitting there like a pig in shit of fantasy football domination. Uh, loving it. You will automatically be sent uh, version 3 if you bought version 1 or 2. Uh, but it's just such a badass thing, and you guys hopefully listen to the podcast. We've promoted it before. I'm not going to go too deep into all the different deals with it, but it's 25 tabs. There's nothing like it. I use it in season all the time. It's It's not a just a pre-draft draft kit. It's it's a weapon and a utilized tool that you're going to use throughout the season. So, do yourself a favor and do us a favor and pick up your Pyro draft kit version th- any v- version. Version 2 is out now, but version 3 will be out this weekend. If you buy version 2 tomorrow while you're listening to this, you'll automatically get version 3 and version 4 sent to you. Then an added bonus, if you want, you know what, we sell it for 20 bucks, but if you want $5 off while you're checking out, put in the discount coupon code VALVERDE to get $5 off, so instead of it being 20 bucks, it's going to be 15 and basically I'll spell out Valverde for you, because we actually put in the, uh, the extra A's, <laughs> it's not to trick you, it's just to be consistent, uh, so at the discount code, it's going to be capital V, three A's, A-A-A-L-V-E-R-D-E, and Houdini's about to give one, Val Verde you hear the pop well done yeah I heard it Okay, so $5 off Val Verde if you have any questions you can hit us up on social media or anything like that And if you say you had a hard time or couldn't spell it right, um, don't worry about it. Just hit me up via email or on social media or however you want. I'm one of the most accessible people in the fantasy football industry, no question about it. I will make sure to take $5 off of your purchase. Um, So hit that up. And now, let's get to Tier 3 with Houdini.
1: Who's your boy here? Number 7.
0: I don't like it's this. That's imagine that he wrong. ends up
1: at number 7. I have him.
0: I it's just who's got
1: him so high? Well, I have him at number 7 and uh, nobody okay. else has him uh, uh, anywhere like it goes 8 11 9 10. So we're 7 11 on him. We're 7 through 11 on him. Should we go back yeah. to the discussion about uh the Black Mini Marts <laughs> and uh
0: I, Look. <laughs> That, the guy we're talking about is the black unicorn, Martellus Bennett with Aaron Rodgers. The, the lily pad jumper is this guy. This guy's played with more teams than anyone over what, maybe. Yeah, actually, more than anyone. At least, at least uh, uh, Brandon Marshall stays for two seasons. It seems like Bennett kind of just stays for one. Uh, but Martellus Bennett is our seventh tight end. I don't agree with well, it, but I let look, you go I'm in the on it a little bit, Dean.
1: And you didn't, you didn't catch my joke when we were, we we had our love podcast at Seven Elevens. But Mini Mart Martellus Bennett. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I know. I have bad jokes. I like him in green Bay. You know, you look at the success that he had with the bears in this division. Um, And he didn't even get to go against the Bears' defense. Now he'll get to play against the Bears' defense twice. Uh, With the Bears, he had uh, 65 catches for 759 yards and five scores in 2013, followed up by 90 receptions for 916 yards and six touchdowns. And his horrible last season when he played 11 games, he still caught 53 for 439 and three scores. Look. Martellus in this offense with the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, um, the ability that he's going to bring to the table. I think what it's going to do, um, it's going to hurt more of the Devonte Adams. It's going to hurt the Randall Cobb's. Uh, look, Richard Rodgers is someone that Aaron Rodgers was always trying to get involved, and Martellus Bennett is a hell of a lot better than, than Richard Rodgers. So. I just think when you're putting him in this offense, as long as he plays the full slate of games uh, with, I think the other added advantage uh, is especially his knowledge of the division. And the fact that, that, that there's the comfort level there is just going to make it that much better for Martella. So, you know, the upside to me is is really high. Um, I had to keep talking there for you a little bit. but. I love, love it. The upside is, is, is just high. He understands the <laughs> division. He, he's he been in it before. He's demonstrated success. And now he's got the, probably the, the best. He goes from quarterback number 1AA A, to number 1AAA, A, A, whatever, from from Brady to, to Rodgers.
0: Just, you know, to jump outside the other receiving crew. Who suffers the most out of his addition? Is it Adams?
1: That's I would say while you were going, I was Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a guy that's going to suffer. I think Randall Cobb is another guy that's going to suffer. Um, I, I don't really think it affects Jordy Nelson all that much. You know, there's still going to be all those touchdowns that are going around. Jordy's going to get his. It's Devontae Adams and his 14 touchdowns may take a hit down to like seven or eight touchdowns, and that's where Martellus is, is uh, sneaking up.
0: Yeah, I hope um, I hope he's a great fit. You know, it's one of those things where this guy obviously can go to a new situation and a new playbook and, and, and figure it out um, fast. Um I do worry about some of his locker room antics. He is a, uh, along with his brother, is a uh, animated character. He's a very, very smart, cerebral guy. Um, political has opinions, and I love that. I love that.
1: Yeah, but he's buried in Green Bay. That,
0: well, that's what I'm saying. I'm wondering if his antics, and I'm just saying from a locker room standpoint, it's Green friggin' Bay. It's this. White, it's the whitest fan base of all time, and he's gonna. Go I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm not trying to. I just don't know. I hope that he doesn't. His antics don't change the locker room. I'm gonna be honest. Out of all the teams in the NBA, uh, the NFL, it does seem like Green Bay is just kind of like. They're kind of stepford Wivey a little bit and they just don't kind of jump out that everything's kind of even the, the craziest thing they do is the lambo leap and you you bring in an eccentric creative he's a real creative guy and I just hope that his antics don't rub the wrong way within the locker room. I love those antics
1: but I'm just wondering if if if, if
0: it'll if it'll work.
1: I get what you're saying. You want to make your NBA reference, I'll say This is not a Dennis Rodman in San Antonio, okay? I'll I'll explain this one. I think him being in Green Bay is the best thing. The reason why uh, he's always making all that noise and stuff before, where has he been? He's been in the NFL media circus of Dallas, of the New York Giants, of the Chicago Bears, of the New England Patriots. The the, the amount of press that is going to be in the locker room after Green Bay games is minuscule compared to what you get in New York, Boston, Chicago, Dallas. So, and, and the love that everybody has for their Packers in that state is going to overlook everything. I
0: hear you, and I agree with everything you just said. Could it maybe be, listen to me, I say, I'll say more outrageous things to be heard more instead of everyone being crowded around Clay Matthews and his wonderful hair and, 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 and Aaron Rodgers. It's more of like, hey, let me give you a sound bite in today's day and age of media trying to just be um, you know, irreverent. And he's that guy. So anyway, we don't need to make this about media. And I love him. He's, he's my favorite guy in their locker room. But I just hope it doesn't backfire on him a little bit because it has in all these
1: other teams. Well, last point. It us, is. here's and here's one of the things where you can also, I'll make the argument for that for you that you're making. Aaron Rodgers, as much as a great quarterback as he is, has had his issues as far as how is he's a D bag. How is he running rubbing people in the locker? How oh, that that sounded wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he's a putz. But he, he rubs some people the wrong way. So, you know, this is, but but at the same time, it could also be a positive where Martellus becomes that deflection from all the other guys if they're struggling and, hey, just go talk to crazy Martellus because you're going to get a good soundbite for your article this week.
0: There you go. I mean, let's be honest. We'll talk about football and not, not be pundits. Um, sorry, I brought it there. He's. He's the best kind of do it all tight end they've had. You, you brought up Richard Rodgers. I know that. Um, you know J- Jared Cook. He's the best tight end that, that Aaron Rodgers has probably ever had. I mean, who's who's? I can't think of a guy that's better. Um, so let's see if they they utilize him. Let's see if he's um, able to bring some big things. He's. I like his ADP i don't he's not going he 's going lower than our tier, top of tier three seventh ranking in real drafts uh he he, he comes at a value so if we 've got him at seven as a whole um you can get him much later than that you can get him later than basically all but one or maybe two people that we have next in this tier.
1: Yeah, what's interesting when we say, like, I had him at number seven, this is a clear d- difference of uh, a tear break for us. When you go from Tyler Eifert, who collectively comes out at a six, and Martellus Bennett, while he's our number seven, the collective average, though, of all of our numbers is nine on him. So that's a big jump. That's a big tear break jump when we're talking about from the Eiferts to the Bennets. I, I just believe that Bennett has that upside potential. So let's talk about the next guy because – a ton of upside potential that you and I both love. What's interesting is that as we look at the collective tiers, uh, the Stags and the Heartbeat couldn't be more opposite of where we are. Uh, Mr. Hunter Henry, uh, tight end going into his second year with the Los Angeles Chargers, and Philip Rivers, who has a great history with tight ends, one being Antonio Gates, who also still happens to be around. So, I know you have a good uh, love affair. You talk first about him. I mean, look, we talk
0: about, or we're going to talk about, how tough it is to break into the league as a tight end and have a productive rookie season. Add to the fact that when that does happen, there's usually not a Hall of Famer existing tight end on the roster that's playing. Let me make sure... Uh, yeah, Antonio Gates played all but two games last year. Still had 93 targets. Um, I mean, Hunter Henry, dude, he's he's he he's he had a great season. He had obviously a little touchdown dependent, but this guy came came out. He was the top ranked tight end out of college, what Arkansas, and came out right away and showed that he could could play. So why would I not think that he's built upon that, and the best thing that's ever happened for this guy is the fact that um, Williams has got, is going to be hurt. I'm just, to be honest, right now again, he's high here, and I think Pyro in general is a little high on him. Um, it's better than being high on some of the other stuff we are high on. Uh, but For me, Hunter Henry, I've been going kind of on that Jimmy Graham and back. I'm still getting Hunter Henry for that depth because, you know, I'm not scared in in a flex league. I like starting two tight ends. Go ahead.
1: So if we look back on rookie tight end seasons since 2000, Hunter Henry's season last year of 38 receptions for 482 yards and eight touchdowns was the fifth best, number five best. Um, Who was ahead of that? Uh, Aaron Hernandez in 2010. We Too fun. soon? Too soon. Too soon. John Carlson back in 2008. You remember John Carlson? Uh, re- barely. Barely. Rob Gronkowski in 2010, uh, where he had 42 receptions for 546 yards and 10 touchdowns. And the best uh, since 2000 was Jeremy Shockey back in 2002 who had 74 catches, 894 yards, but only two touchdowns.
0: Right? So there you go. This is going back to two, the turn of the century, people. There's probably some listeners out there that were born right before then or right after then, and that's a long little, um, you know, litmus test of, 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 of years, Happening, 16 to be exact, and he was the fifth best. I, I, I can't imagine how many tight ends were drafted and played in that spot, but at the end of the day, nothing's changed for him. And he's with Philip Rivers, who loves the friggin' tight end. And I think that there's going to be some great games for Gates. But I think, in general, you are going to see those target, that target share start eking towards um, Henry. And if it doesn't, I think he's a guy that will get a lot done with his targets.
1: Well, I think he's going to have – I love his opportunities now even more. Look at what's going on with, the, with these Chargers. Um, Mike Williams is a mess. You know, if he's ever even going to get out there on the field. Um, Keenan Allen is dinged up again. So um, what new? You know, it seems to be something. This time it's a calf that's got Keenan Allen sideline. So you have all these other people that are changing around. Hunter Henry was much more consistent in his plays than Antonio Gates was last year. Phillip Rivers throws one of the best lead balls of anybody in the game. Hunter Henry has that explosive ability at the tight end position, which actually can be translate toward wide receiver-ish. So you're going to see him get a lot more opportunities. They're going to hit milestones for Antonio Gates, but they're going to hit fantasy production for Hunter Henry.
0: And Hunter Henry's a great blocker. Doesn't he's not like some juggernaut athlete like we're always trying to put all our egg, our eggs in the basket of. Oh my God, Austin Severian Jenkins is this unbelievable specimen. This guy's a football player, and if you could if you could be do that right out of the gates, I love Gates. You like that? Um, I I love what what's there. Am I? Ex- Ultra excited if he's my tight end one? No. That's why, as we said earlier, I like going with a Graham. Um, and I think the drop off after an Eifert, even though I know he could get injured, is 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 serious. But um Henry we like, let's move on to the ninth. Tight end, we have middle of tier three, and that's Kyle Rudolph, uh, who's obviously coming off his best year, and he's another guy that I think's in that Henry's realm. Is there any reason to think that things can't be just as good for him this year?
1: Yeah, he had 132 targets last year, well, so I, okay. You, I'm just saying, he if he gets those targets again, that's one of the things I know where Staggs is leaning on. Here's a, here's a guy in, in, what, how many years has he been in the league? Uh, six years in the league. This was his first year that he ever had over 500 receiving yards. Um, it's only the, the, the seven touchdowns. Uh, granted, I'll, I'll give him that. He's, he's a career 9.9 9 yards per reception. He's not the big down-the-field threat type of a player. You know, but he's been a top.
0: He's been a top three, four tight end a couple times in his career, and I think that. So I'm just gonna play devil's advocate. Do I love this guy? I agree. His, his targets are coming down. He led all. He led all tight ends last year with the, those 132 targets. Led everyone, but. I think that he might be one of the most consistent guys up here. And again, let's just talk about value or your opinion. He's not I need to open up a window on ADP. I'm gonna do it right now. I'll come up with it. But um he's it's not like this guy is like going high. I think that where he's going, he's kind of still a value. And um I don't know, I, I just think I think he's a consistent player that's gonna throw up some duds, but he's actually gonna 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 be at the end when the season's done do you think he's outside the top six tight ends i i do. You do um
1: i do you know
0: look top 10 top 10 let's say top 10
1: well i i i think he's i think he's a i what do i i think i what do i got him i got him in number 10 so yeah i think he's a top 10 i collectively have him at nine sorry yeah <laughs> I'm i just look at rudolph as is This is not that flashy guy. He's the one where it's like, hey, perfect. You want to wait to go grab your tight end until late? You're going to get a good floor with him. You know, I'm not saying that all of a sudden he's going to be going back to 350, 450 yards. But I could easily see him regressing to 650 yards. But if he can give you 650 yards, six touchdowns on 60 catches, so be it. That's great. I'll take it because that's his average, 10 yards a catch, and you give him the, the six touchdowns. So not a bad season I just don't know that I'm I'm a career year beware guy that was a huge blow up we, we saw that it was a heavy lean on both Stefan Diggs and Kyle Rudolph by Sam Bradford we now have Dalvin cook they're gonna have a better uh, semblance of a running game after they had everything fall apart with Adrian Peterson going down last year so look I, I think I think that there's reason to believe to be skeptical of jumping on this bandwagon but it's not a high price to pay. Cool,
0: and I'm not I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. That beer looks tasty. What kind of beer is that? That is
1: a uh, Two Hearted Ale from Bell. Uh,
0: you know I'm in uh, I'm in I'm in Michigan Puffer. Country, so we got it. I'm actually drinking uh, Founders uh, Centennial IPA, Pyromaniac Moe's favorite beer. It's amazing. Up here they sell 15 packs. I think you've probably noticed that where you're going. Founders thing is selling 15 instead of 12 packs, and here you get a 15 pack for 14 bucks. That's like the normal price. That's a good beer for under a dollar beer. Um but yeah, I like I like the Bell's heart is one too hard is one of my favorites. Here's a question I got for you, buddy. Kyle if you're on the clock, who are you drafting first? Kyle Rudolph or Delaney Walker? I'm not looking at your tears. So if you want to look at yours, but just off the top of your head.
1: Delaney Walker.
0: Delaney Walker. Wow. Okay. I know. Who are you? T- and I. It's right there. These are all in the same bundle. So you're you're doing. So Kyle Rudolph. You're on the clock. Are you taking Kyle Rudolph or Zach Ertz? Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. Jack Doyle. Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. or O.J. Howard. Oh, it's Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Cool. Alright, those guys are all in on fantasy football calculator. It's basically after Henry. It's Rudolph uh actually Delaney's well, before Henry.
1: That, I have Ertz as my number eleven right behind I have Delaney Walker at number nine, one ahead of him, Jack Doyle at number twelve.
0: <laughs> well, I'm good at I'm good at coming up with the uh, clumping people together. It's after um years of missing clumped hair in the sink.
1: I was talking. I was thinking you were talking about the clumps in your pants <laughs> after a
0: night of drinking. Oh, it's true. I almost pooped my pants a couple weeks ago, but we won't talk about Nobody. it. I made it. I made it in just the nick of time. People tell me on on uh, on on uh, over social media they really relate to my uh, personal stories on the uh, Pyro Podcast. If they only knew some. If I if I open up the the floodgates to some of these personal stories, I don't know. How, I don't know how much they'd relate to
1: them or like. So was me Was the anymore. original diarrhea song about you? You know, doing the fifty yard dash to the bathroom door, couldn't make it to it, so I did it on the floor. Diarrhea.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. There's been. It's it's. It, I'm screwed. When I'm older, dude, there's there's that whole thing like I've fallen and I can't get up. That whole watch. I'm going be like, I'm gonna need like. If I'm not wearing the pens, I'm going to need someone.
1: I fu- I need to poop, and someone needs to bring no, me a bucket. I farted, but it's not fart. It's poop. <laughs> and I
0: can't <picked> get up. <laughs> I, sh- I sharted, and I need a new pair. <laughs> All right. Let's go on. I, I am actually going to tell a personal story because someone asked me in a direct message on uh, um, Facebook or Twitter—I forget—they're uh, like, "I want to hear more of your." I, I love your personal stories when you go on these things, and I'm like, "All right, I'll." I'll I got a, I got a pretty good one a little bit later in the show. Let's go on to. I don't think we need to talk about Rudolph anymore. Consistency, good. We'll see what he goes. I think the greatest thing that you've got going for Rudolph is. Obviously, he was able to get a rapport going with Sam Bradford fast and furious. Sam Bradford is probably top one or three check down Charlies, along with an Alex Smith, one of the reasons why Kelsey's great, along with whoever else. Um, But he really does not like to take a chance. And here's the end of the reason why I think I love a Rudolph going on is they are a run they're trying to move the ball, their whole team to being a running team, obviously, by having Cook, uh, drafting Cook uh, high, and then bringing Martavius, uh, Latavius Murray. But they've got the worst running offensive line there is. That's one of the reasons why this guy gets so many targets. It's like, the friggin' linebackers and the whole defensive line's in this guy's face, and he's like, I need to get rid of this thing before I'm crushed. And Rudolph's savvy enough, in the, in the Witten uh, kind of Esque role and, and mindset and being a smart, savvy player, that he's like this guy's fucked. Let me turn around and try and catch a pass. So unless that offensive line really shores up and does a lot of stuff, it's still going to be a good party for Kyle Rudolph. And, and you know, based on a 12 man uh, league, he's going in the ninth round. I, I'm, I'm happy with that. So let's move on to the next
1: guy, Zach. It Earth it so earth's. good. Now here's what's interesting because. You look at a guy like Ertz and why do I have him rated just below a Kyle Rudolph? And to me it's simple because what's amazing about Ertz, you realize he's had over uh, – over...
0: over the last
1: two seasons he's had over 100 targets. He had 89 targets in his second season. So, But the one thing that he doesn't do, he does not score touchdowns. So in four seasons, 13 touchdowns, his best has been four. Um, that's just not enough to get it done. Now, what's, what it leads you to believe is, well, let's, let's look at it and say, well, hey – Carson Wentz was a rookie last year. Carson Wentz is developing now. Um, look, he has the good rapport there. Uh, he threw him 106 targets last year, so why wouldn't there be potential for growth? And that, you know, he did have his, tied his career high with four touchdowns. Now you have Alshon Jeffrey Does that Alshon Jeffrey thing going to take away a lot of targets from? I think it's definitely going to eat into them into them some. But what's also going to be interesting is, Ertz has never defined himself as a red zone target. Alshon Jeffrey's at least to go up and get a guy that you can throw it to in that in the red zone. Has Ertz shown enough to be able to be that guy? If he can move himself to seven, eight touchdowns, he vaults himself probably up to, to top six. Yeah,
0: and I think the one thing that you're hoping with Ertz is that rapport with Wentz. Um, you know that both of them have z as their last letter in their last name there might be some some sort of connection is there yeah. uh but he's gotten better Every year, but to bring Stag Party into the room, what he would say is subtract those last two games of the last three seasons where all of a sudden he's got like 17 catches. I don't know on how many targets. I'm not looking at the game splits, but he if you subtract the huge games that Ertz has had over the last three games, then what are his numbers? That's Stag's devil's advocate approach, and I appreciate it. I think that's something that I would say when it comes to Ertz, as far as him being my tight end one. Maybe it's a great best ball guy if you're if you're kind of going for a couple tight ends because you know he's going to have some week seventeen or week sixteen he's going to blow up. But long he,
1: what he 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 does put up huge numbers at the end of the year crazy. every year, like not not and,
0: like the biggest numbers ever for a tight end every game. Like the list, go for it. Well,
1: Let me give it to you. So in 2014, in his second year, in the second to last week of the season, he had 15 catches on 18 targets for 115 yards. Then the next season, in week uh, so week uh, 14 or well three weeks left in the year, uh, eight catches for 78 yards and a score. Followed up by 13 catches for 122 yards. Followed up by nine catches for 152. And then last year, in the last game of the season, he caught 13 of 16 balls for 139 yards and two touchdowns. This is is like when you say that
0: extrapolate. If you extrapolate his season out over, if you did that with with the last three games of his career, he's the best receiver. He's like better than Odell Beckham.
1: I think think, think if I'm his coach, no matter wherever he is, I'd be like, it's – the third, it's the last week of the season, Zach. You gotta give it all you got. Play it all on the field. <laughs> that is great. Or, or just Zach. He's got to
0: show up for like in in July for preseason games. You do fake like preseason game six preseason games for him. Uh, added to the four that they have, and then by week one, he's he's in he's in prime form.
1: No, I think, I think you just make him show up to preseason games wearing his winter outfits. It's December. It's always December. It's weird, though. He, he's
0: just got this weird thing where at the end of the season, all of a sudden, it all gels, and he's, uh, uh, you know, otherworldly. So, anyway, I think we can move on from him. Uh, let's move on to the last. You got something? Yeah, go for it.
1: Last thing just to say, but Urch is young, so you still have this youth. Part on your side. You have a developing relationship with a young quarterback. I think those are things, especially if you can steal him away in a dynasty format, do it now. Cool.
0: I like that point. All right, let's go to the last guy in tier three. He's our 11th ranked collectively tight end, and that's Delaney Walker. Man, this guy is probably the oldest guy we've talked about yet. I think he's older than Olsen. Um, he he's kind of sat around as being uh, Vernon Davis's jock holder for years in he's San Francisco. Older
1: than, okay, he's older than Olsen by like sixty days. Fair <laughs> enough,
0: but they're both old. I'm not. Hey, I'm just saying he's old. You wouldn't think about it because he kind of like when he was in San Francisco, he, he just didn't get much happening because Vernon Davis was making it happen. But he's he's been around for a long time. Would you stop? Bringing in specifics. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding.
1: But, you know, but here's what's amazing about him. So I understand that he's fallen. I still had him as my number nine. I know everybody else is, is more down on him. But I think he took the hit last year. So you go back to 2014, it uh, was very similar to what he did last year. He had 63 catches then for 890 yards and four touchdowns. Then 2015 was the blow up with the 94 catches for 1,088 yards and six scores. Last year, he only catches 65 balls again, but still had over 100 targets, seven touchdowns, 800 yards. I just think that the floor is there. I know that they're bringing in a lot more talent around him. I know that they have a strong running game, Marcus Mariota, all this stuff, but there's growth there. I just think that as long as you're not paying up, you're not paying for the Delaney of what he can be. You're paying him for what he is. And what he is is still a low-end, top-ten tight end. He's going to give you 60-plus catches. He's going to give you over six touchdowns. And he sure as damn well should give you over 750 yards.
0: I think he's a great standard league. He's not a yardage guy, and he's not a PPR guy. In a standard scoring, he kind of does everything well enough. I think if Corey Davis can be healthy, he's gonna really eat into him and that exotic smash mouth deal that they've got going on there with Derrick Henry coming into his second season. I think I love a Mariota, I love all the I love the team. But you're gonna see this team is gonna be able to run so well that they're gonna be like, Why are we not why don't we run? You know, you got DeMarco Murray and you got Derrick Henry. You got the best offensive uh, line in the league for running and a great one for passing. I just think that you're going to see this year they're going to kind of make it a little easier on Super Mario, and they are going to be running the friggin' ball a lot. I think you add to that all the wide receiver action, Richard Matthews, Eric Decker in the mix now, those two guys are going to be sharing um, snaps, and then Corey Davis, one of the highest-drafted wide receivers in the last 10 years. I'm not feeling the Delaney-Walker deal.
1: I understand where you're at, but, I mean, uh, in his last three years, 2,778 receiving yards. Yards are there. You know, even uh, it's over 800 yards every year. Last year was 800. I'm telling you, you're going to get 750 yards. Decker, that's an experiment where he still has to see if he uh, gets the good timing going on with Mariota. You know, you're counting on a rookie in Davis to come in and do something. Delaney Walker is still going to be a consistent person that that Mariota is going to look to. Maybe it's going to be more so early. So draft him and then look to trade him after he has a good, strong first four or five cool. games of the year. Let's
0: uh, let's move on to our next guy. Um, let me see. Yeah, let me see. Before we do that, actually, do us a favor. Help us keep the lights on. So we're about to move into tier number four. This is the 12th tight end for the 2017 season. Um, let's, we'll talk about a couple guys here and then I'm going to bounce off to a pyro promo and I'll, uh, I'll give a little personal story that uh, at the time was hectic and very scary. Uh, in hindsight, should be funny and uh, enjoyable for all you listeners. Eric Ebron. I'm shocked that I actually have him ranked the highest, and I think I like him the least.
1: I have him ranked the lowest. I can't
0: believe that I hated Ebron so much, and I got him ranked at number 10. And Stag Party, who's been riding the Ebron smoke pole for months, has him at 13. That's strange to me. But I think he's 10-worthy. But everyone that's getting too amped up on him and how he's going to break out, and thank God Bolden's gone. I think Ebron's just, I hope I'm wrong. I want everyone to do good and get theirs. But I just don't know if he's really got the heart to do it. And they, gave, they extended him. They gave him his money, his fifth-year money. So I just don't know if he's going to make it happen. But anyway, I'll, I'll hand it off to you, Eric
1: Ebron. Give me your thoughts. Well... Number one, here's, here's a scary stat for me from last year. Here are the good ones. 61 receptions, 711 yards. Of those 61 receptions, only one was a touchdown. That's not getting it done. Um, so I need to see more production in the red zone. Then there is the fact that he has never completed a full 16-game season in his career. Um, and I immediately moved him down as I was going through and as I had just was finishing up my tears last night, going through the injury reports. And of course, Eric Ebron is currently dealing with a hamstring injury. And you know, my history going back five years, talking about guys that deal with hamstring injuries and these soft tissue injuries early in the preseason, they never seem to go away. And it's, and it's just, it spells bad news. So I'm just, I'm souring on it. Um, Look, he's got talent. It's just never materializing. I don't think he has that killer instinct.
0: You know, that's it, it. That's what I was trying to allude to earlier.
1: And the touchdown thing is what tells me: one out of sixty-one catches for a touchdown. Come on, you don't. You know who's. You don't have. You have Theo Riddick in there. Who's who's scoring all the touchdowns? You can't make a better. You can't. You can't be a better red zone oppor- opportunist as a receiver than Theo Riddick.
0: Yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. Let's be honest, Um, career, in his career so far, obviously he was drafted in 2014, so he's only three years in as a pro, seven touchdowns, and that is one touchdown his rookie year, five his sophomore season, one last year. Seven touchdowns, three seasons, problematic. So when you're doing your projections or you're looking or you're scoping him out for this year, just, like, be honest with yourself. Like you
1: said, does he have the heart to really all of a sudden be elite? 5.26% is his touchdown rate. That's 5.2% of the balls he catches are touchdowns. When you look at, like, Gronkowski and those guys, when they were talking about 12 13%, 14%. So, um, yeah. I'll tell I'm you not, this.
0: My, uh, I got 7.2% alcohol by volume in my Centennial IPA. So this
1: thing's better than Ebron. That's all I know. I got to have that B too. What do I got here? Uh, 7%. I'm 7%. So I'm ahead of Ebron, too.
0: It's funny. I didn't even notice. I love Centennial, and I love Bells. But both these beers... I drink a six pack and I'm wasted. And I was when I was putting away this fifteen pack the other night. I kind of got a glimpse. from, like, this thing's seven point two. No wonder I'm fucking shit faced after five of them. I need to kind of move
1: over to that uh, all day IPAs. I think. Well, welcome to Houdini's world. Houdini victory. Right, that's that's nine point eight. I know, dude.
0: You're, th- th- you're basically drinking an all day IPA right now over there. All right, let's yeah. let's go <laughs> let's go over to. Uh, we're going to go to Tier 4, and this is going to – Oh, no, we're to, sorry. We're going to go to Tier 4, second guy, and this is Jack Doyle, 13th tight end overall, um, obviously in a great situation, um, being with with uh, Dwayne Allen, who's kind of never lived up to it anyways, being jettisoned over to the Patriots. Here's the question I got for you. Are you worried about the whole Andrew Luck pup? Because basically their backup quarterback if, oh, is, is, is it's the worst – backup quarterback situation for what's going on right now if anyone i mean that whole team is absolutely poo if, if luck doesn't start week one
1: do you realize that it's been that way for indianapolis ever since they had peyton manning uh, who, painter when they had to bring painter in as the backup like, oh. they've never had a good backup quarterback here i'm definitely scared jack doyle is is a solid 12 uh could be a top 10 if andrew luck is 100 percent healthy but the Andrew Luck factor is we are an uncertainty, and I don't like uncertainties. So, um, and knowing that if it is Scott Tolzien, uh, Jack Doyle becomes probably down to about number eighteen or so. It's just because that offense is not going to function uh, at all with Scott Tolzien uh, like it does with Andrew Luck. So everything hinges on luck.
0: Yeah. This team is going to be interesting. We're going to see. They went from power in numbers to, like, power in nothing pretty quickly. Luck isn't even feeling as great as he did two years ago. Uh, The offensive line, they spent a lot of draft capital on that, but it still doesn't feel right. Uh, We'll see. Marlon Mack, hopefully he can be great, and hopefully we've got, you know— uh, the other wide receiver, I'm sorry, I'm spacing his name right now, which is weird. Moncrief can, can no, live but, up to it. But right but, now, it just seems like they've done a shit job. Yeah, go for it.
1: Yeah, and Moncrief is dealing with a shoulder injury right now. So this is just, a, I don't know. The, it, Indianapolis is, is a team that I'm I'm kind of wary of. I, I love all the talent that they have. I think they extracted a lot out of that talent last year. And I'm I'm kind of wary of... Of jumping on him this year except i like where you and i are, are on board though is with the rookie marlon mack at running back well one of my
0: one of my buddies i agree with that one of my buddies is uh got a great name he calls it uh he calls him dante Manqueef. <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> that's pretty it's really good meat bone um yeah, I, I agree. I, I like I like a Mac. I think he's gonna he's gonna be ex- ex- special. We'll talk. We're gonna actually cover next week's podcast. We'll have Stag Party back in the mix. You're in next week, right? You're not out of time for work or anything.
1: No, I'm in next week.
0: Cool. So we're gonna be doing running backs uh, next week, uh, the three of us, and we'll all be together. I'll be in Chicago. And we'll all, we'll fire it up. So, but so far it's been a great show. I love doing these uh, these remote shows. You Houdini.
1: Yeah, and then when we go from remote to being in person, and then we do running backs. Get ready to strap yourself down for five hours of fiesta on running backs.
0: Lonesome Dove level. It's basically going to be like it's basically like reading a book of Game of Thrones, it's but it's running backs.
1: It's root. <laughs> seven <laughs> days. We're going to be for seven days. Or blue gray. Remember the blue gray miniseries. Uh, uh, I remember all
0: of them. This It could be Ken Burns-esque. All right, let's move on to the next guy, and that's going to be 14th tight end. This is the middle of Tier 4, Julius Thomas. You know what? To be honest, I haven't been excited about him at all, but now with Cutler there, thinking about what he was able to do, um, with Zach Miller, what he was able to do with uh, the Black Unicorn. what do you, uh, Maybe he moved, maybe I'm a little more excited about him now. I actually had him at 16 for, as my tight ends. Stack Party had Julius Thomas as his 20th. You had him at the 14th, Archer 11th, and Heartbeat is 18th. But maybe with uh, Jay Don't Care Cutler... It could be a little bit better of a situation. What do you think?
1: Well, that's why I moved him up, actually, uh, when I was doing him, you know, going through him, finalizing him yesterday. I I think I had him initially about 16 or 17. um, But I do think that you know, Cutler's always kind of liked the tight ends. I mean, even when he had Greg Olson, even though he didn't throw to him as much as he should have, uh, I think it's it was known. And, and, and let's go back to Gase, right? What, was was Gase there with Julius Thomas in Denver? Yes, yes. Uh, at that his biggest ago? season was with I Gase.
0: That.
1: So I, I look at all these different factors and, and, and the guys who – where a coach has gotten the best out of them, and those those two guys, the, the, the most important, the quarterback and the tight end in this situation, I look at the fact that i will also, who else is going to score touchdowns there as a receiver? When I when I look at uh, uh, Miami, uh, I, I don't see Jarvis Landry is is just not that dominant red zone threat. Devontae Parker has not proven to be anything of that red zone threat, so. Outside of that it has to be Julius Thomas and Julius Thomas is a, is a player that two years in a row scored 12 touchdowns while he was with Denver so why can't I'm not saying that he's gonna all of a sudden gonna be able to replicate something like that but it's easily uh, 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 I, I can make the easy assumption that he could be a six to seven maybe eight touchdown guy. As a high end without a problem. Yeah, I guess for me, I, I can't
0: really go too deep in uh, I've never really been a fan. I feel like he's always kind of been made by those big seasons with Peyton Manning. I mean, that that his big season was that year that Peyton Manning threw, what, 53 or 54 touchdowns, and he just happened to have had less than even twenty a quarter of that. Uh, I, I've never been – I've never had him on my team. I've never really thought he was uh, a great football player, and – um You know, hopefully he can turn it around. I think the Cutler thing helps. Go for it.
1: Yeah, and to back your point, that first year, which was actually his third year in the league, he had 788 yards and 12 touchdowns. Since then, where he had the 12 touchdowns the next year, he never topped 500 yards again. So... You know, he's not been that yardage guy. You know, the last two seasons he's been under 10 yards per catch while he was with Jacksonville. But that's, again, that's what Jacksonville, and they signed up with that contract, and I think they were thinking that he was a different player than he was. At least I think Gase knows what he is, so I think you get out of him what he can be. And, again, I don't think that they have any other good red zone threats there, so I think that's where his value to me is. And in fantasy, you can make up for yardage if you score an extra three touchdowns. No,
0: for sure. I think the one thing that you got to remember, it's easy to say, hey, that's Jacksonville, and I, I agree with that. But Jacksonville 2015, Bortles I think he was second in touchdowns. He had a ton of yards, and the guy still just didn't – he really wasn't – didn't have – he had less than 500 yards and five touchdowns. So in that two years ago – last year, Jacksonville was a nightmare – Two years ago, though, they just—they were putting up the fantasy points through the receiving game for Hearns and Robinson, and he was on that team and played twelve games and still didn't really do all that much. He, you know, he did okay. He did okay. Um, but let's move on to the next one, Jason Witten, old time. Um, no, Kobe. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go to go Fleener um hold down the fort between these two guys for a minute because daisy's kind of scratching at the door and i might go take a leak
1: that's cool but we're going to need you to talk more about the fleener because you are the guy that is super high on him where we have such a wide range on fleener i've got i've got
0: some fleenus i'll i'll talk i'll be sure to talk about him
1: okay so go ahead and take care of your daisy so, just to talk about where we have the separation here, it's pretty amazing. So, Stag Party's got Fleener at number 14, I got him at number 15, and Heartbeat has him at 16. So, the three of us are kind of all in line as far as to where Fleener goes. Then you got uh, D-Rex, got him at number 8, tight end overall, and Archer couldn't be more com- uh, diametrically opposed at 29th overall. So, um the one thing that that for me is yes, is he in the right offense? Absolutely. Um, Are the things there that, that, that that can lead him to having that, that top end type season? Absolutely. But at the same time, what have we really seen from Fleeter in his career? That's going to allow us to believe it. I was making the strong case for him last year. And so here's the case that, that works against him in his career. He has 20 touchdowns in five seasons. So uh, let me give you his touchdown rate. So 20 touchdowns on 233 catches is is actually not bad. So he's an 8.6% touchdown percentage guy. But over his last two years, three touchdowns, three touchdowns. And these are in 16 games. This is not like he's... Putting up three touchdowns where he's only played in 12 games on the year. Fleener basically plays, but besides one year where he scored eight touchdowns, it's been under four every single year. So I, I agree he's in a good offense. He's, he's giving you a, a good base on, on yardage. Where we were talking about uh, Julius Thomas as a guy who doesn't top 500 yards, here's uh, Kobe Fleener who's only been just under 500 yards one year. Uh, if you take out his rookie year, where he only had 281, but over 600 yards, three out of the next four years. So give me your give me your high high on him because, and then I don't know if we know why uh, Archer is in such uh, hate on Fleener.
0: I think in general, uh, probably Archer's hate uh, stems from him being attracted to guys that look like, um, you know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Look, look
1: like Where are you going with this. Where are you going?
0: With I don't this? know. I don't know. He, he looks like a Neanderthal. I don't know. Maybe Archer likes that kind of guy and he's trying to counteract it. You know how that works. Just kidding. Archer. Um, he does look like a Neanderthal though. Uh, let's be, let's be honest. Fleener for me. I'm just betting on the bounce back here. I think um, two years ago, Matt Ryan uh, learning a new offense looked like the worst quarterback in the league. Fail, baby. Two, two times the charm uh, two, two, two years ago Matt Ryan looked like essentially the worst quarterback in the league um, hence the reason he came into value last year and he beat one MVP that was because he was in a new system with Shanahan sometimes good players have a tough time um, learning things and going to new systems, and after playing literally his previous his coll- collegiate and his early years um, of the NFL with Andrew Luck, there was like kind of probably an overly gross familiarity that I think well, I'm going to bank, and I'll let you go on in a minute because I, I don't have like – I'm not I'm taking a hot for- take or giving stats or anything. I just think oh. there's a rebound that I think he's going to do well this year because – Now he's got one more year deeper and he's away from luck. I think there was a a real, a real separation anxiety for him last year.
1: Well, not only luck, it was also Pep Hamilton who was there for how many years, but my question to you is, I I don't have anything to say on it. My question to you is, do you believe that all of a sudden he's going to become a touchdown guy? And if so, why? Because, it's just four out of five years he's been less than four, four or less touchdowns.
0: I don't know if he needs to be a touchdown guy. I just think he's going to be a better – He's going to, it, the whole offensive receiving pie chart is going to include him more. You got Brandon Cooks, who was, what, sixth or seventh wide receiver last year overall, gone. We know that uh, Mike Thomas could have some regression. I still like him a lot. But what else? I like Snead, but I just think out of those three guys that we mentioned, Mike Thomas is, 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 is 6'3", but he's still a possession receiver. I think he's still the red zone target, and yep. he had a lot of drops. Hey, I'm not going to say he's going to be a red zone or a touchdown guy. I just think... I have faith in where he's getting drafted. To be honest, he is getting drafted so friggin' late. It's actually kind of funny. Um, in, and maybe this is changing, but right now Fleener is the 19th tight end taken the mock drafts off fantasyfootballcalculator.com. That's the 14th round. So you're going to tell me that you're not going to take a flyer if you feel like you want to back up the tight end position and you did what we talked about earlier and you got a Jimmy Graham in the 5, the 6, the 7 round. You don't feel like there's an upside there at all if things do click and there is a a, 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 a nice little like rebound season that that isn't a value pick. I feel like it is.
1: I, I, I understand where you're going, but I just don't see how they're gonna get that much more growth when I look at the problems is as this. Is he gonna get a hundred targets in that offense? And he's never had a hundred targets in his in his career yet.
0: I, I don't think I don't think so. And I don't think he needs I don't think he needs targets. I think he just needs to not drop well, the ball and I,
1: well, <laughs> but that's the problem. He needs targets because his completion percentage, his catch rate is fifty nine percent in his career. So you're dropping almost half of the passes that come to you,
0: or they're not passed well. But I hear you. Hey, I'm not going to sit here and stick up for Fleener. I <laughs> so think so. He's had Drew Brees and Andrew Luck at least. I know. I, I, I'm thinking rebound, rebound, and in the 14th, 15th round. And to be honest, I'm seeing him. No one likes him. No, no. I'm seeing I, I, him being available later. Like, I'm in some drafts that are 24 rounds, and they're just, like, too many rounds, and just fleeing or sitting there, and it's one of those things like, all right, already,
1: I'll take the friggin' guy. He's the highest of my tiers. I just need to grab him. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. If you're going late, late, you know, you're grabbing him as your second tight end, the upside's there just based on the offense, also based on what we saw uh, Drew Brees has done in the past. I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate to myself. What has Drew Brees done in the past with tight ends besides uh, Jimmy Graham? Well, he made Benjamin Watson look like one hell of a tight end before Kobe Fleener got there.
0: So What has he done since or before then? Zero. Jimmy, he made into some of the greatest seasons ever. So I think there's just that, that upside. I like the way you say it. The ceiling is super high. The floor is kind of a blurry, hazy zone. We don't know what it is. But the the value or the draft capital you have to take for this Neanderthal is not something that if he sucks balls, he could be your second pickup or uh, drop, and no big deal.
1: Well my, well, my last point, though, is just to understand, too, I, I'm worried about the touchdown rate really going up appreciably, especially since you have Adrian Peterson there. If Adrian Peterson is what Adrian Peterson is, He'll be getting those balls inside the three yard, four, four, two, three, four, yard line and running them in for touchdowns. I agree. And for Bell Bell, baby. Bell, baby. cans work ah. better. Cans work better. Tastes so good when it hits the
0: lips. Let's go on to our next um, guy, and that's Jason Witten. Sorry, I screwed up that before. He's tight end sixteen, last guy in tier four. Whew, man, this guy this guy is the oldest right?
1: Uh, yeah, he's gotta be <laughs> So at like, Delaney was 32, let me see what Witten is. Witten is a spry uh, 35 years of age.
0: Wow, all right. Um, last year, just a, uh, a touch below 100 targets. You know, he, he, he kind of, you know what you're going to get with this guy. Do you think he's going to be any, he's not going to be better than he's been the last three years, but he's going to be any worse? Yeah. Um, probably not. He's going to play 16 games. If you're if you're looking for a guy, you know you're going to have in your lineup every game. I mean, this is pretty much the guy. Um I had got to be honest, in that expert league we did for uh, Data Force, um, a charity league, it was an awesome experience, and thanks, Matthew Hill, for having us on for that. But a guy did really wait super late, and um, Jason Witten was his tight end one. And I look at that team, like, that's a, that's a glaring hole. Um, so go
1: on. Well, I was just going to make a point when we're talking about if you're one of these guys that's kind of looking at rookie tight ends – and saying, oh, well, I'd rather have one of the rookies, Evan Ingram or O.J. Howard, over Jason Witten, right? Well, <laughs> I don't know that you do, because when we're talking about how many of these uh, rookie tight ends since 2000 have had over 500 yards, it's seven seasons since, uh, 2000, since 2000. How many of them had over 600 yards? Two. So, even when you look at Jason Witten as being a depressed person uh, as far as his yardage has gone, which has been decreasing basically over the last five years from uh, 2012 over 1,000 yards, 850, 703, 713, 673. He's still giving you a solid good floor at that tight end position. Now, granted, I mean, he's never been a major um, uh, touchdown scorer, so... That's nothing new, and especially with Ezekiel Elliott there and with Des Bryant, you're not going to expect him to all of a sudden jump up in that regard. But you're waiting so long, and if you're in a PPR league, you know, it's not bad because he's not getting the 13, 14 yards per reception. So he's doing it the Jordan Reed way at that 9.8, 9.3 over the last two seasons, but still putting up almost 700 yards. So in PPR, that's good production.
0: I mean, to think about it, for the tight end position, other than one outlier, and that's 2005, which is, Jesus Christ, 12 years ago, he's always had more than 90 targets. Uh, So you just got to figure, he's going to get 90 targets. There's just, he knows he's a savvy guy. He knows how to find that pocket. But you said that he was depressed. Is there should we talk yeah. to his friends because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of things going around you know people you know there's been some some issues so if, if you think that he's depressed let's let let his friends know let's talk to him let's get him to the right because we don't want anything you know bad to happen i, I, send
1: him a, I, I sent him I sent him an edible arrangement <laughs> edible, like the Colorado style? oh yes, that's even better I, I, let me change my order. <laughs> Yeah, instead of it
0: being like strawberries that are dipped in chocolate, it's like gummy, gummy. It's like big gummies on sticks that are that are, that are dipped in that are dipped in uh, chew, choco chuches. Okay, no one knows what I'm talking about, but if you do, you're having a good time. All right, we love a witten. I'll tell you that because the only time that it, Witten annoys me is when I see that in a heartbeat, that Geico commercial where he's like hitting the dummies and like in this weird wit, Witten dark lit area. Feels a little too, sorry, country music to me, not a fan. All right, before we go on to the next tier group, which is going to be tier five, do us a favor, listen to this. Buy it, buy it, consume
1: Who knows <laughs> uh, That was the greatest movie I love They Live uh, All you have to is consume the And best. I know exactly what movie you're talking about
0: I came I came here wait, what's the line? I came here to chew, to gum, chew gum
1: And, and kick, kick ass And I'm all out of bubble gum <laughs> And that's exactly how he says it <laughs> Oh, RIP Rod, Roddy
0: Roddy Piper that movie rules and the other guy that was the star and it's the dude that is in every voiceover ever and the uh, stepdad from something about Mary the Navy voice that you hear on every Navy commercial that guy he's he, he's the sidekick you, in that
1: how'd you get the Got beans you. over the Franks
0: <laughs> I mean I'm going to tell you that guy off of voiceovers it's insane how much money he's made over the last 15 years. God bless him. Uh, if you guys know what we're talking about, then you're a pop culture maven like me and Houdini. If you have no idea, let's move on <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk Probably about fantasy sports. 23 Swarms. years old. <laughs> <I> would- <laughs> exactly. If not, you're old and you like video games. me
1: a side point. so... We were were talking, uh, I'm training two new employees right now, and so I was, like, trying to get them to, like, remember something. So I wanted to get them, uh, I had to get them to think of something that ended in cans. And so I'm like, you guys ever seen Speed, right? And they're like, no. I'm like, you've never seen Speed? I'm like, damn it. So I can't even give, like, the line, you know, the best line where they run over the the baby carriage and, and they're freaking out. And then Keanu Reeves turns to Sandra Bullock and goes, it was just cans. They were just cans. (laughs) He's great.
0: He's great.
1: I'll turn to to my wife and just go, it's just cans. cans."
0: I turn to my uh, I turn to my dog and I go, He hates these cans. He just can't (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna layer you with with old with old eighties movie references. He just hates these cans. Uh, all right, here's what I'm going to do before we get into the next Here, I'm going to give my personal story just because I kind of have not heard over the last month or so that people like this shit. So I'm going to give you a good one. So I'm going to go back to about 1999, living in San Francisco. I had just moved in with a new roommate. Her name was Tammy totally a Plutonic, one of my best friends. I lived with a chick that was like uh, the best. Just like loved throwing parties, loved organizing parties. Me and her were just, it was like living with a dude. So long and short of it, she went to Costa Rica for the summer for like three months. She must have quit the job that we had together and done something whatever. So I, she went out there to Costa Rica for a while and traveled around. We were young. I went out there for I think two weeks and this, tri- this story happens, uh, I think, in Montezuma, uh, which is not the Caribbean side. It's the Pacific side of – hold on, is that right? No, the Atlantic side, whatever side, of uh, – Costa Rica, one of the most beautiful places. If you're listening to this and you haven't been to Costa Rica, it's amazing. Just make sure you get the hell out of San, um, San Jose as fast as possible. But let me, let me talk about the story quickly. Um, basically we went on the most majestic horseback ride on the beach. This like amazing day trip of horseback riding. Was, we had met this crew from uh, Scandinavia, this awesome couple that we became buddies with. I was with my roommate and two other people uh, that she was with that she had befriended on her trip. And then we there was a few people, others on this trip, a bunch of hot brats. Uh, having a great time horseback riding on the beach in Costa Rica. Literally at one point, I shit you not, I'm on the horseback and I'm going under, underneath on a horse a waterfall i'm not lying this is like literally like right horseback riding under waterfalls it was the best time ever we stopped we 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 put our horses up for a while i'm actually gonna find a picture and post it to um our, our, our twitter account and our facebook account just to show you a swimming thing that we did at one point that it was just like it was just one of those days that still to this day it will go down as one of the best days of my life so at the, near, at the end of it, we, we grabbed lunch, and it was like we were kind of like maybe like an hour away from being back home, and we stopped, and we grabbed a snack, and I had a nice fatty joint rolled, and we were sitting on the beach. And we smoked this joint and I'd met new friends and I was with my roommate and I was met new friends of hers. I knew I was probably going to get pussy that night and it was just a good time down in Costa Rica. And myself, I guess I jinxed it a little bit. I thought to myself, I was like, this is like one of the greatest moments of your life. Like, you know, pretty baked, having a great day, it's been a great trip, met great friends, blah, blah. Just like literally, you know, it's kind of like when you're hot in basketball and everything you shoot is going in. You're like, God, I'm awesome. And then you don't make a shot again. Um, That's kind of what God did to me here. I was thinking, I was like, this is the best day of my life. Like, I'm going to go piss. So I go walk up the beach and I'm going over a little like sand mound and I'm going to take a piss and I stop at the edge. And I take a piss, and I feel a prick in my big toe. And I'm kind of still whipping out my ding-ding and taking some pee. I'm like, what the hell is that? And my feet are in the sand. And I shit you not, I pulled my feet out, and I had a hypodermic needle in my big toe. (laughs) Oh, my God, right? I'm looking at Houdini's reaction on her Skype. We're doing this over no bullshit like literally sticking out of my big toe is a hypodermic needle yikes Yikes. right like what a way to bring the party down to just like that's a good way for God to be like you know what best day of your life Mm, let's change this up a little bit wow so i had about four more days in this trip i did not mention it to anyone i mentioned it to tammy my roommate i think when we got back to san francisco uh, went and saw a doctor obviously but i didn't go back and like go back to the smoke out session hey i just stepped on a hyperdermic needle who wants to have sex <laughs> yeah what's going on exactly i'm getting laid tonight um Long and short of it, right when I got back to San Francisco, I saw a doctor. He's like, yeah, you know, we pretty much won't be able to know for two and a half months. Okay. That was a great two and a half months. Uh, But he did say, he's like, where was the needle? I told him. He's like, likelihood is it's better off that it was hot and it was in the sand and it was like summer than if you were like, had done this, which wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't be on ice if it was cold. So long and short of it, and then we'll go on. This is the personal story. These are the I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on trying to ring out some of these in Houdini. I want you to do the same as well uh, because you've got great stories too, um, and I think people enjoy these things because. It's less robotic than a lot of the other people in the fantasy industry. We're humans, and we like to show this side. But long and short of it, the doctor told me he's like, "Come back in two and a half months." I feel like you're going to be pretty good. There wasn't like blood, and but that was just like literally. Since then, whenever I'm just so like crescendo excited about anything, like climax, peaking, like just fired up by something, I literally since this point, 1999. I say to myself, don't jinx yourself. Yeah. Like do not get excited. Do not fire it up here because I'm telling you, my God above, he knows how to he knows how to hold me back.
1: <laughs> Crazy story. <laughs> One of the points I want to make with true story. <laughs> it's awesome at the beginning of the story, like I'm in Costa Rica, you know, with these with these girls, hot broads, like Whoever says like, yeah, I'm on a trip. I'm on a trip with these girls, bunch of ugly dogs, <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were fucking hot though. I'll say if, I'll say if I got a slop tart, I'm honest about that yeah. shit. So- these, these, these girls were great, and I, I still hooked up that night. To be honest, I felt a little guilty at one point, but I, I figured it, it wouldn't have got it wouldn't have got, gotten up into my through my toe to my balls.
1: That quick, right? Well, oh, right, because you know, it's, it, blood blood doesn't travel that fast. You know, you know, I I believe in it I, I believe in your science. You know, you you climate change <laughs> denier. You you.
0: Oh, who do you've gotten so political this show, I like it. All right, that's my personal story, Costa Rica, time of your life, high-fiving, ecstasy out the wazoo into hypodermic needle in the toe.
1: Well, I also sent you a picture of a waterfall when I was just recently in Costa Rica, uh, amazing place, amazing place, so... The best. Um, but also had like an amazing day and then a horrible day. Uh, worst worst uh, tour of my life. Uh, from that waterfall that I sent you a picture of, uh, you know, me and my wife, it's like we're private. We're like the only ones there for like a half hour. We beat all the other people there. Uh, howler monkeys around us, you know, being able to, uh, to, to to see the whole thing. And then this guy takes us on a two and a half hour drive to go to this volcano, but we don't go to the volcano. He takes us to we're supposed to go to hot springs. We think we're going to natural hot springs. He takes us to another spa in this town in Costa Rica. I'm like, it's 100 degrees outside. Why do I want to go into a, a place where the pools are 106 degrees? <laughs> like, I want natural hot springs. I want to be walking on in, 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 and, like, come across hot springs. Uh, it's You've got to know
0: what you're doing there. There's no question you've got to have some loyalty. And, uh the, that guy obviously had a good connect. Where if he brings a customer to that place, he's getting some kickback. And he just obviously had some uh, poor, sub, uh, subpar uh,
1: affiliate connections. He thought we were going to have a great time. He drops us off. we like, so you're you're checking us into another resort. We're staying at an all inclusive. And so he like he <laughs> into the into the van to like takes a shirt off to like relax and take a nap for like the next three hours, thinking that we're going to be there for three four hours. Me and my wife looked at each other. I'm like, do you want to get out of here? She's like, yeah. Let's just get the back to hell, the hell, back to our hotel where we got free drinks and a pool. So,
0: <laughs> so well done, buddy. Well done. I come out
1: knocking on the door. The guy's got his shirt off. He's just like, we're like, uh, yeah, we want to go back. <laughs> and then two and a half hour ride back with not a word said. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? Costa Rica, make it happen. All right. I love it. That was a little Houdini Nooner sidebar. This is what we do. Um, we could talk about fantasy and stats all day long, but you know what? There's plenty of outlets for you to do such a thing. We're going to give you the human element. All right. Let's go to tier five. Number 17 at the tight end position, Antonio Gates. We talked about him a bit earlier, so I don't think we need, and everyone knows what Antonio Gates brings to the table, so let's keep this one simple and and kind of plow through this uh, next couple
1: guys. What do you think? This one's easy. I mean, you look at the the range of where we are. We're anywhere from 15 to 21. Um, Most of us are really between 19 and 21. So we know what Antonio is. We expect him to be getting some of the, the the play get his milestones get his couple touchdowns but it's the hunter henry show this year and i think that's what's clear um, so when i look at this it's almost interesting would you and again with these these all the three other players that are in this realm are either young or have competition at the position so let's go to the next guy because it's very similar cameron brake cameron Brait burst onto the scene last year had himself a fantastic season. Uh, you're going, wow, all of a sudden Brake could be the guy that's gonna be the tight end for the for the Bucks going down going to the future. He had six hundred and sixty yards and eight touchdowns last year in in only ten games as a starter, also, by the way. And you talk about his catch percentage when we were talking about the fifty-nine percent for for Kobe Fleener, seventy percent. So this is my yeah. career is is like a 72%, 71%, 72% uh, catch percentage. But Cameron Braid finished. <laughs> yeah, he finished sixth in the uh, standard
0: most formats. He finished sixth last year, uh, just a tad above Martellus and kind of substantially a little bit ahead of Ertz and Reed. But Braid had a good season, and <sighs> – I don't know. Why am I tying oh, him up right? talking about Brate? You, you're, oh, you're, yeah, we're talking about. Ta-
1: oh, he's we a, are. He's the next tight end, but I'm saying he's another guy like Gates, who's in a situation where he's got competition at the position. But Brate is still the one that's that's higher up. But OJ Howard is the one that they drafted, with they obviously believe is the more upside of where they want to go as an organization.
0: Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, if you guys have been watching some of the training camp and some of the plays that Winston's been making both to Deshaun Jackson and to uh, OJ, I I find it hard to believe that people have Brait higher than OJ. I don't. I've got OJ at nineteen and Braid at twenty-five. I think you're going to start seeing those numbers are going to start going in the favor. Even with guys, OJ is a beast. Braid is a good football player. I think uh, I think OJ. And again, we talked we'll, we talked about those rookie numbers and. They are not. They don't show very well for a rookie, but and I, I'm not expecting the lights out, and we'll go into O.J. a little bit further down, I guess. But I like O.J. a lot more than I like Cameron Bright this year, like a lot. Well,
1: and I see that by the way that you have him ranked. I, I have him ranked opposite just because based on what I believe will happen. You know, I think the Bright's, you know, again, a catch percentage of 71%. That's pretty goddamn good. And, you know, there's a faith there that that is that – is, that, that Winston has there, but obviously he loves his new toy and what O.J. Howard can do. But the belief is going to be is if, if Howard can pick up all the offense and the blocking schemes and all the things that are necessary in order to be on the field all the time, I think O.J. Howard is going to be the guy that you're going to go back and look on the season and go, man, I remember this play and I remember this play and I remember that play. But at the end of the day, you're going to go, Man, why didn't he score me more fantasy points?
0: All right, I'm going to say this right now. I'm just going to go out on a limb. I think O.J. Howard, for where he's going, I think it's going to change because people are going to see this this practice tape, and I think he's going to kind of blow up in a couple preseason games. But I do think, and I didn't think this draft day, I didn't even think this a month and a half ago, I think O.J. Howard might be one of those new rookie guys that is – has a good season it's not amazing it's not off the charts but you're going to realize we all know he's going to have a good career he's that talent but I think he's going to kind of get it going quicker than we give credit for and I don't think um, I don't think Cameron Brate really is going to hold him back from that
1: okay fair enough cool Uh,
0: fair enough let's go on to the next fella sorry going out of that one and that is uh, Austin Hooper He's going to be the 19th tight end, uh, second to last guy in tier five. I don't have much to say about him. Go into it. I like him. I've draft, we, I think we drafted him in our uh, best ball. We did. No, we didn't draft him. We, I, I, I'm fine drafting him as a backup. What are your well, thoughts on number
1: him? Number one, he's playing in a high-powered offense with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the other thing is that you know where we talk about these road grader. Uh, tight ends that are the 9.8 10.3 10.5 yards per catch that is 100 percent not what austin hooper is austin hooper is a stretching guy at the position he only had 19 catches last year but 271 yards (laughs) averaged 14.3 yards per reception that's up there with some of the best wide receivers in the game so um and when you see him he has like natural wide receiver ability the problem is is Has he shored up his blocking? And and, and that's where you have to figure, yes. In his second year, uh, he's done that. 6'3", 248 pounds. The guy can move. And on that offense, is he ever going to see a double team? Hell no. And, you know, who was he giving up time to last year? Uh, Levine Toyolo. Uh, Excuse me, I think he'll, he'll be on the field. So, the... The fact that he just gets on the field more, I think the upside here is huge, especially if you play in best ball or you're playing for, like, a game. I'll bet you he gives you probably the end stats are not going to be amazing at the end of the year, maybe 550 yards or so, but two, two games could be where most of that damage comes from.
0: I like it. Uh, essentially, the last tight end shown, tight end twenty-one on fantasy football calculator is Austin Hooper. I like him ahead. I like him more than a, a number of guys ahead of him in that spot. So uh, let's move on to uh, Evan Ingram, another rookie. We, he seems more like a wide receiver to me. I started out being real hot and high on this guy, and then I just kind of realized. Yeah, I think I think uh, Brandon Marshall kind of steals his thunder. Seems like a weird pick to me a little bit. What do you think? He's essentially a wide receiver.
1: Yeah, he's essentially a wide receiver because he, he doesn't have the the typical uh, bigger size uh, of a tight end. He's kind of just like a big wide receiver, but
0: he's like a new, he's like a, new, a nunwa size. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, almost kind of like an H back type guy uh, somewhere somewhere in between, hybrid type player, but. But here's the thing: What do they have a tight end there in in New York? It's Will tie. It's, uh, it's it's a bunch of not not a lot of talent. You have talent everywhere else on this field, but you also I, I look: Is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to score a lot of touchdowns as a rookie? No, I don't think so because not only is it Brandon Marshall, it's Odell Beckham. I think that he benefits from Paul Perkins not being a big touchdown guy, but they, but they drafted Wayne Goldman, who they think is going to be the guy in the red zone. So um, what Evan Ingram has an ability to do is have uh, Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham really take a lot of pressure off of him in his first year. You know, Brandon Marshall is not a guy that's going to be around him for a long, long period of time. Brandon Marshall could be that perfect transition of that second wide receiver alongside Odell Beckham to really allow Evan Ingram to be able to blossom a lot earlier. Uh, than if he didn't, if it was Sterling Shepherd who was going to be the main guy outside of Odell Beckham, because then teams may paid may have paid more attention to Ingram based on his playmaking ability. So I think he gets hidden with all the other weapons around him in a way that he may not necessarily impress you early. But I think if we believe, like like I think you're going to change your mind as to how high you were on him earlier when you see basically what he's going to give you in that last third of the season. So he becomes one of those guys that could be like a neat target that you can snake out in an in addition in a, in a trade or something where he could help you in your fantasy playoffs uh, and the right matchup. As long as that maturation process continues to grow. I
0: think he's going to be a good pro. I think they'll figure it out. I almost think he's more of like the heir apparent to Brandon Marshall than he is um, uh, kind of a tight end. To be honest, I, I just don't think he's not a blocker. This is a guy that's always going to be split out a bit. Uh, so we'll see. I hope he does great. It, it, there's a lot of expectations for a lot of players getting a lot of th- balls thrown their way from Eli Manning. And check out what Eli Manning did last year. It was not. I know he's won two Super Bowls. I know he's uh, one of the best quarterbacks ever, his younger brother. But it, it's Eli Manning is is performances uh, a number of years over the last five have left fantasy owners really underwhelmed. So we'll see. Evan Ingram, hopefully he gets it going right away. Let's go to uh, tier, actually before we go to number tier number six, and we're going to blow through this tier so we can get caught up a little bit and get some deeper guys. But before we go to the tier number six, listen to this. All right, tier number six. I got uh, from Heartbeat. He said, uh SJF to the bank, money man," uh, and that's C J that's Fedorowicz. SJF. Did, I, did I say S? <laughs> I meant C. Hey, you know, you're still in Costa
1: Rica. You
0: better change. to be to be honest. To be honest, my eyesight over the last six months has gone to shit. It's crazy, dude. I had like great eyesight forever, and over the last six months, I'm blaming it on the iPhone. It's like the jerk. To recircle back to the jerk, I feel like the guy that has that broad, that bridge nose thing that uh, with the glasses. Um, my eyesight shit. So okay, C J. Fedorowicz, C J. Fedora hat. I'm not buying into this guy at all. I like a Ryan Griffin, not more, but I I, I don't know. What do you – let's cruise through this tier. I I, I, I mean,
1: I I think we're okay. I mean, how deep are you going to need to go on tight ends? I think the the pace we're on is fine because, I mean, when we get to about – I mean, how many people are going into tight end 40? Are we going to get – we can get to 40. That's good, right? Fair enough. So, you know, Fedorowicz at least, he's a huge target, you know. So, that's one of those things when you think about – who is actually going to be who do you, well let me ask you this? Who do you think is gonna win the the quarterback job coming out in Houston? I think it's Savage,
0: but I think I think they're ready to get Watson in, um, into the into the situation at some point this season, unless Savage is obviously remarkable. But I think it's Savage's so, job. So
1: let's say it's Savage's job. So I, I think Fedorowitz does better with Savage. Than he does with Deshaun Watson, um, because the one thing I know, Iowa tight end, seen the guy uh, play all of his college career, and I've been I've been following him as a pro. He's a solid guy. He's six foot six. He's a big dude, two hundred and sixty five, two seventy. He can block. He can get off. He's got good hands. But he doesn't have that amazing ability to be able to do crazy moves and now let's say if it's watson who's in there right well let's say that watson's going to be maybe moving that pocket around and doing different things and you know unless they're doing quick reads where he's going to get those quick release throws then i think that he can still benefit under under watson but if it's watson trying to trying to hold back a deeper pocket trying to get those bigger plays downfield and throw the ball downfield I don't know that Fedorowicz has that ability to be able to, to make those extra moves, and especially if a pocket breaks down, uh, becoming that release guy for him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. We'll see what happens. That, te- that team's got a lot, of, a lot of fantasy potential and a lot of fantasy question marks. And as a result, I'm not too psyched to jump in on that backfield with Lamar or um Deontay I'm not too psyched I I like where to be honest out of everything I like where uh, Hopkins is going in drafts I'm willing to take a chance on him because last year even with a broke ass wiper he was like one called back touchdown away from being top 10 his numbers significantly got injured by one bad call by the refs um But overall, I think the Houston Texans are not a team that I'm really kind of looking towards and worrying about. I almost feel like other than a a value pick um, nuke, I'll have none of them on my team. Let's go on to Jared Cook. Moving from the the Packers and heading out west over to Marshawn Lynch country and playing for the Raiders. What what are your expectations on him? Can he show a um, a consistent outing throughout the season with them, or is it going to be one or two games and a lot of what, well? Everybody's why isn't this got guy him better? in the
1: twenties, except for uh, Archer and myself. And I might be ahead of my skis here, as I have him as my number thirteen tight end. Um, if you look in the history, I'm really. Almost maybe it looks like I'm I'm just, like, picking a guy and trying to make it happen. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong. And there's nothing wrong I'm with not, that. Not, I like that. that. I'm not you know I do that. Um, but at the same time, in my last tears, I really downgraded Amari Cooper from as high as I've been on Amari Cooper. I don't know. Uh, if you had a similar situation. Marie. I'm just kind of worried about it. He's got the leg injury a little bit. Um, just... Little things that are going on there, but I, I can't.
0: Good player, that? not great. I think he's a good player, a really good player. Yeah. I just don't think he's great in the league. I think the, a lot of people thing think where he's Garrett elite.
1: Cook comes in, and again, this is where I think is—is is it really a matter of Cook, or is it a matter of situation and a matter of development from the quarterback? And you and I are both very high on Derek Carr, and so Derek Carr. Is not going to just be like, oh, I have to feed the ball to this player or that player. He's gonna make the reads and he's gonna get the ball to the right player. The problem the the benefit that I think Jared Cook has, Derek Carr has never had a good tight end to throw to since he's been there. So this is actually the best weapon that he's had at the tight end position. I'm not gonna say the best tight end, you know, he's not he's not the best blocker in the world, but one we all know Jared Cook has a pension, has the ability to break huge plays and to to be more of a factor can Derek Carr now the highest paid quarterback in the league corral him keep him interested keep him invested in the offense where he's doing what he needs to do Uh, he will have the benefit of having potentially the best one-two punch at wide receiver uh, a combination of having with uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree very strong so that's the thing that's going to give him uh, a, a lot of benefit as well and look Marshawn Lynch in the backfield, I don't care that he's coming back and hadn't played. Defenses are still paying attention to what Marshawn Lynch does unless the wheels are completely gone by the time we actually see him hit the field.
0: I agree, man. I think hopefully he's a good best ball player and he's going to have some big games. I really do feel that way. Um, Let's move on. I think Jared Cook... Hopefully he can realize some things and and come into his own. He's been in the league for a while. There's been a lot of hopes in fantasy football over his tenure in the league, and he's
1: he's kind of fell short most of the time. But maybe uh, maybe this is the outlier season. But the other thing too. We talk. About, I talk about like when you're saying with OJ Howard. I said you're going to remember this play, that play. Do you remember what was it? How many years ago? Where Jared Cook, the first game had like. He, he got tackled on like a, almost a 90-yard uh, play that would have – he scored a touchdown earlier like on a 40-yard play, and then he got tackled at the two-yard line. And in my league, it would have been like an extra twenty seventeen 17 points or something.
0: And he, in that – I had him on my team in my oldest That's league one, right? in that one, week one. And then he also dropped – Uh, Yeah, he fumbled one. He had a long, like, 60, 70. This is week one for the Rams. He had, like, a 60-yard touchdown that was just a done deal, and he just fumbled it, like, at the 10-yard line. And I I forget who the player, Brad Waxman, another guy in my league, offered me that day. Who was – I want to – I'm going to mess this up. Uh, I'm going to space who it was. He offered me – I won't remember it. I don't. I want to say Aaron Rodgers, but it wasn't that. Um, he offered me someone straight up, straight up for him, and I denied it. Ugh. It wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It was someone that ended up having a great season, and he was like, because he loved this guy going into the season, and then he had that game, and he gave me a straight up trade after week one of like this dope player and. I was like, no, he's going to have a season for the ages. He never did anything for the rest of the season. Actually, he
1: had another game where he had 80 yards and a touchdown, but that game one was seven catches, 141 yards, and two touchdowns.
0: I remember the accolades and the adulation I got from the rest of the league. Like, Noonan, you did it again at tight end. Because I think the year before was the year I picked Jimmy Graham. Or maybe it was the year after. It was like, you did it again in the mid to late rounds for the tight end. And I turned down a trade. Let's move on. Let's see what happens with Jared. He's either a guy or hopefully he can make some, make some stuff happen. Besides that
1: game, he's only had one other game with over 100 yards in his career. Last year uh, at at Washington. Exactly.
0: OJ Howard, I'm a fan. We've already talked about him. I'll let you say whatever you want to say about him. I just look at these videos and this training camp stuff and do a search for that guy's name on Twitter and the videos and the catches he's making. One of the moves, and I tweeted out earlier, I go, uh, he made a move on Brett Grimes that was just like disgusting. Grimes stopped on the play, actually, in practice. What's up, Miko? Your boy, Miko, your boy Brett, just got squaled by OJ. Um, I'm all in on OJ. Again, I'm not thinking he's a tight end one, but I love where he's getting drafted. I love taking him as an upside guy that what if.
1: Well, number one, you know how big of a fan I am of Jameis Winston. And this is a perfect example of an organization doing everything they can to take a franchise quarterback and give him every weapon that they can give him under the sun bringing in deshaun jackson now the the problem for him in a fantasy standpoint is again i think he's going to have great plays he's going to be a golf day where you go out with your friends and you shoot 112 but you talk about the three amazing shots that you had on the day talk about that great drive you're going to talk about that great chip you're going to talk about that one putt you hit from 15 from 15 20 feet out so that's what O.J. Howard's going to be in that first year. Is he going to be a volume receiver? No. Mike Evans is the volume receiver on this team. Deshaun Jackson's not going to eat into volume either, but Cameron Brait is going to be on the field. They're probably going to do a lot of uh, two wide receiver, two tight end sets. I, I really believe that that's where they, they're going to see the value because they're going to want to get O.J. Howard out there, but they have to realize that they need to have it be, uh, make it be a run block uh, type of a situation where defenses have to be kept off guard. So, I look at Howard as being a guy who's probably only going to end up with maybe at a high end 40 receptions in his, in his rookie year. Um, but I also think that he's going to be one of those guys that probably will have the highest uh, yards per catch average of a uh, rookie tight end. You know, Let me look and see if I have that number here, what the highest was in the last uh, 17 years. You go ahead and talk.
0: Well, can I ask you a question? You're a dynasty guy. Obviously, you know, it's a... I don't know how dynasty people really treat the tight end position, but is this a guy? And you've you've already you're in a, you're currently in doing a dynasty rookie draft right now. I know we talked about it last week. Is this a player that your career wise are you going after him or was he going high? Tell me a little bit about the dynasty aspect because uh, for OJ. So
1: OJ is a guy that okay, especially like with most of these dynasty leagues, it's not about you having to play him in year one. So Uh, You're actually able to kind of be able to stash him for at maximum two years, even if it's only where you can stash him for one year, he's still a player that's worth grabbing. Uh, but he's not going high he, he's in my 12 i'm, I'm in a, a 12 of a 14 and a 16 team keeper league and i haven't seen him go uh at earliest is about pick 11 so when you consider that it's because everyone's always looking for the immediate impact uh depending on also the scoring system of your league whether you need to have uh you know more of the quarterback or you're going to be uh more like we need to have uh draft running backs because i need them to play right away um or wide receivers just because of the longevity of their potential uh, lifespan in the league. so But O.J. Howard is is absolutely a a guy that people should be paying attention to. Look, this is an amazing athlete, different type of player at the position, going into a perfect type of a situation where you're playing in Tampa Bay um, with a quarterback that can do all in my opinion, pretty much everything that you need that quarterback to do uh, can stretch the field. You're going to be you're, – you're putting him in a situation where it's a young team where he's going to be growing with it as well. So from a dynasty standpoint, yes, it's it's a clear no-brainer. I would love to have, be able to, to cultivate it and grow this on my team. And the, the thing is that people just don't invest those early picks on tight ends because look how deep the tight end position is. And here we are talking about tight end 20 – You know, and even if it's Gronkowski, that's, well, no. Even if it's a Tyler Eifert or he's a Jordan Reed, well, where is he? We don't know, but people don't reach that high in Dynasty. But when you have second rounds in Dynasty leagues, and I think that if you're doing rookie drafts where you're allowing um, to hold them for a year or two, you need to have a second round of those drafts because that's actually where the best talent comes from. Uh, In in my 14-team league David Johnson was a second-round pick. Jonathan Williams was taken before uh, Jordan Howard. This is what happens.
0: Right, exactly. So here's a question. We we covered Ingram as the 20th tight end, uh, uh, the first rookie we covered. Um, Who do you like more, O.J. Howard in the dynasty draft, O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, or Noku?
1: It's between it's between Evan Ingram and OJ Howard for me, and I go back and forth, and it's almost kind of like uh, I want to get one in one league and one in another because uh, I like them both, and I and I want to be able to grow with them both and. Um, And the one thing is like, I'm also vested in Mike Evans and in Jameis Winston in Dynasty League, so I don't necessarily want to be too uh, Tampa Bay heavy. So I'm a little bit biased when it comes to that answer, but if you're just talking from a fresh approach, it really would depend on the league. If it's going to be a PPR league, I think I definitely would rather have Evan Ingram. If we're talking about just a standard league with a bonus for long touchdowns, then I definitely think I want to go with O.J. Howard.
0: I like it. You want I want to go with "Bell Mary." Cool. Uh, we're gonna go to the next guy on the list. Here is gonna be Zach Miller. This is someone that I'm super nervous about. Um, Bears drafted uh, Ed Ed Sheehan or whatever his name is. Um, that is yeah Adam Ed Sheehan isn't that the redhead guy that was on like Game of Thrones it's like a songwriter everyone hates him everyone hates me we've got something in common Uh, Zach Miller do you think honestly this guy is going to be doing much this year in fantasy football I I like him as a football player but maybe his fantasy football playing is Uh,
1: I'm I actually have Adam Shaheen rated eight spots higher than uh, Zach Miller, Uh, yet I also have Adam Shaheen rated ten spots higher than anybody else in our collective tiers.
0: Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Go with who you like. I mean, I'm looking at Zach Miller. I've got him at 22. You've got him at 32. I mean – who knows? This is a guy that's old as hell. Now
1: that's what I'm talking about.
0: Holla for a dollar. Um yeah, Zach Miller, it's it's it this is a guy that what what are the what are the true expectations? He's old as hell. He's gonna he's lose probably, his
1: job. He's 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 gonna lose they
0: drafts to someone high. And he's been out of the league for what? Three or four out of the last six seasons. Um, there's, there can't be that huge of he's, expectations he's um, for this guy. He's a teacher,
1: right? He's going to be a teacher to Shaheen. He's going to teach him how to be a professional, how to do all the things. Um, I, I just, look, the Bears, this is, not a, this is not a juggernaut offense, but I think that why I like Shaheen so much more is that, look, this team is going to be realizing that they're out of it at, by week six and they're going to have to start playing these young players and seeing exactly what they have out of them. They only drafted five young players this year, five rookies, so you better start playing them, and Shaheen had better be on the field, and he better be everything that you thought because you traded up to get him, and you traded up to get him where people thought that he was being overdrafted. So, again, this is where you think you're smarter than everybody else. That may be, but then you better put your money where your mouth is and let these guys play and be out there on the field doing it.
0: Exactly, I think with Zach Miller, his greatest—if he's healthy and he can stay healthy and play, let's say twelve to sixteen games—his greatest benefit is that he is a he is a professional and he's a, a smart player. And the fact that Glennon's a new quarterback, and if Glennon shits the bed and somehow it goes to, um, let's say Sanchez, who. Definitely will shit the bed, and then it gets to Mitch uh, Trubisky at some point. All those players, all those quarterbacks, sound pretty good for a healthy Zach Miller. That's the only defense I could give for the guy is the fact that he's basically undrafted in in leagues that are that are don't go too deep and there are 12 team leagues that don't that end at 16 18 essentially undrafted his quarterback situation plus his health do spell for something good but i i kind of agree with you the uh the the fox and the um pace regime are gonna be like ed get in there you big dumb adam. racist i keep saying ed ed that oh, ed's the redhead guy <laughs> adam sheehan Adam Sheehan, not Ed, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> this is the no, way no. my mind works. I'm great at some things, I'm terrible at <laughs> others. Deal with it, listeners. I'm sorry. I am, I am as God made me. I am, I am as I came out of my father's penis. What? What? what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you actually you actually froze uh, on me right, on the Skype and I couldn't hear anything. And all I just heard is. And my father's penis or something with the penis <laughs> <laughs> on, purpose, on purpose. I did that. I did
0: that on purpose. Um. All right, let's go to Jesse James, who I actually do like. Probably the second most, maybe third most out of this tier. Jesse
1: James, what are your well, thoughts let me, on okay, him? I'm, I'm actually the lowest on him of anybody. He's a starting tight end, right? He was a starting tight end last year. Well, I mean, Heath Miller was around, and so, I mean, you can make that, that argument there. He th- right, he, wasn't there and, and last he year. played all thir- 16 games, and he had 39 catches for 338 yards and three touchdowns. So, so you, again, oh you're talking God. about a touchdown percentage guy, uh, 47 career receptions, and only four uh, touchdowns. So, you know, with-
0: can I take can I take <laughs> back my love for this guy? And I never said I loved him, but I liked him the third most out of this tier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look at that team and look at where all the the weapons are. He's just kind of an afterthought in that offense, and the tight end position is more there to be a blocker and be a protector for Le'Veon Bell.
0: Let's move on. I agree. Uh, tier seven. This is tight end. 26. Let's kind of cruise through these guys. So we can actually get to 40 in the next four, 45 minutes. Uh, David, in- Njoku, Njoku. Njoku. rookie Njoku. Joku. I, I, I do the silent N and then Jays. Nobu. Nobu. Um, fuck you. Fuck you. Jobu. I do it myself. What is it? Jobu. Yeah, there you go.
1: Um, What do you think about this guy? The only problem for me right now is that he's on the Cleveland Browns. You know, um, that's where I I, I think if you're looking at him more of a dynasty type of a situation, but I'm looking at him more to really make his breakout year three, Uh, just because it's going to be the development of this Cleveland, Cleveland Browns team. And there's still a lot of what's going on at the quarterback position here, right? So you, we we haven't really chosen a lane yet, so I don't know how I can feel that confident in what he's going to be. Now, um, is he going to be getting a ton of targets? Probably not in his rookie campaign. Um, so he's one of those guys that I think I like his long-term outlook. I just don't like where I see what I'm going to get out of him this year, but But don't be afraid to, to, you know, again, when we're talking about if you're in dynasty drafts where you have second-round drafts, end of that second round, why wouldn't you take a guy like this if you could sit on him for two years? Yeah,
0: I I, I don't know what to say about him. I'm kind of just not ready to dive in on the Browns. They're just, I, I think that they're headed in the right direction. I liked what they did in the draft. I think they're... They're going. They're they're heading the right direction. They're going to be a good NFL team and a good fantasy team in the next two three years. This year, I'm just not sure about it. Um, hope maybe uh, Nyoku is uh, in in the slot for a plenty of uh, snaps this season and finds a rapport with whoever is the quarterback, whether it's Kaiser, whether it's Kessler, whether it's Osweiler. They obviously like this guy's talent. People, you, you're talking about how uh, um, Adam uh, Sh- 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 Sheehan or whatever, our guy, our tight end, was drafted. <laughs> this guy, people thought the same thing. You know, I called that three tight ends would be drafted in the first round. But a lot of people were like, yeah, you could have gotten this guy in the second round. You're really kind of figuring him to be better than he than maybe he is. So we'll see. It's it's a team that I'm kind of staying away from. You got some players uh, like uh, Crowell, that people like we did our um, our league winners piece this week, and Wheeler was a, a big fan of Duke Johnson. For me, it's um, go for it. Oh, okay, you're going. For me, I'm I'm kind of just staying clear a little bit of the Cleveland Browns for for the here and now. Like I said, I think long-term, I think over the next few years, they're going to be a much better team, and things will change. And I'm sure David will be a part of that action, but maybe not this year. What I will say about Njoku – sorry, I'm having a hard time with it. He's one of the coolest-looking players in pads – And the way that he's just looking in training camp, that guy is a bad mofo. He just looks dope as hell on the field. So we'll see what happens. Charles Clay, Houdini, thanks a lot. He left me um, to pull together some Charles Clay talk. One of my least favorite players in the league would be a Charles Clay. I feel like we've talked about him endlessly Um, on this uh, podcast and he's really never done anything to speak of Uh, I think last year I think he did pretty good at the end of the season you know he had a nice 14 15 16 17 uh, so he ended on a high note which is a good thing but it's Charles Clay I'm not really figuring that too much is going to be happening with him last year he did have 94 targets did have four touchdowns, had over 500 yards. So he is kind of one of those sneaky names that you don't really think of is doing anything under the sun. But at the same time, he's pretty much on par with a lot of guys that are actually being started at the position. But Bills with Zay Jones, with adding, uh, we, we saw what Anquan Bolden did to Ebron in the Lions. Uh, now Bolden two days ago signed with the bills i just
1: i just don't see it clay one one good game a year one good game maybe two well see i i'm higher on clay than uh than any of you guys are and and look at it look i, I think that the bills have where is their offense going to come from okay already they, they needed to sign anquan bolden because they had no one else you're cutting on zay jones to just all of a sudden just walk in and be that number two you have sammy Watkins who can hardly stay on the field so you know that zay jones is going to be the number one at some point in time on this team this season um and yep. what do you have behind that you have you have Corey brown you got andre holmes you got rod streeter you have all of the old uh oakland raiders that couldn't get on the field back in the day <laughs> <laughs> and, and what is and what does charles clay have to, to worry about nick o'leary Really, am I am I that concerned about Nick O'Leary? I'm not. So, I, I look at Clay and it just just understand this. When you're talking about starting tight ends this far down in uh, uh, that are still available, well, I'll tell you what. I'll take my chance on him over Jesse James any day of the week. Uh, you know, Jesse James is in a more high powered offense, but Charles Clay is going to be the only one left standing when everyone else is injured.
0: You know what? That's a great point, and I'm I'm going to look right now. That's a great point. I like it, and this is one of the reasons, just so you know, listeners, one of the reasons why I love doing this Pyro podcast so friggin' much is, you know, you've got your guys you love, you got your preconceived notions, you got your guys you don't love, and I'll be honest, Charles Clay ain't the guy I love, but he's a guy that's probably done better over the last four seasons than a lot of tight ends than I thought I loved. So, you know, I like, I like hearing the... Outside other thought processes, other guys, people love because sometimes you need that. You need to. You get locked into what you think you know and what you know ain't right. So I like that. I'm going to keep a little bit of a deeper, deeper dive and a deeper look and keep my eye on and flag a Charles Clay because what you said makes a lot of sense. And actually, I was bummed out about the Anquan Bolden signing because I love Zay Jones so much, as you and our listeners know. But the way you say it, you're right. Zay Jones is going to be the wide receiver one at some point this season because Sammy Watkins will be hurt. And you need a a savvy guy behind him. So that's actually – this is why we do this. I never thought of it that way. I was like, oh, fuck. Zay
1: Jones is going to get eaten in by Bolden. But the team's smart. And didn't we all think, I mean, Bolden still has the itch he wants to play, but Bolden also is one of these guys who is – is probably more of an amazing person than he is as, as an amazing uh, football player. You know, Walter Payton, man of the year, um, you know, does all these things. Maybe this guy also has the potential to be a coach uh, in his career. You know, so you bring in a guy who's just a veteran, a professional, the guy who does everything right all the time. You know what? I want to sign this guy just because I want Zay Jones to be around this. I want yeah. him to not to be around uh, a guy like Sammy Watkins who gets hurt and every little thing keeps him out. Here's the guy that I'm bringing him because I want him to rub off on Sammy Watkins, too. Here's a warrior. Here is here is absolute football warrior who is, you know, Come in was rookie of the year, uh, unheralded, and and it just made a name for himself through hard work, dedication. Didn't have it like the Larry Fitzgerald size and and, and hand, hand ability. and all. He, no. was, a, he was a quarterback oh, at boy. Florida
0: State the the year before his senior year. Uh, I like that call. Everything you just said now makes me a lot happier about it. I thought of it as a negative, but right now I'm thinking of it as a positive. And definitely, just so it's known, Anquan Bolden in my they might make him sweat it out he will be a hall of famer and anquan bolden i like your call i can see him being a head coach in the league he's a great guy but he is a great player that guy
1: understands what it takes to be successful it's not you know he had gifted abilities but he also got the most out of all of his abilities and that's why he's still able to play at this point in time in his career
0: Crazy, crazy! Look at his look at the draft where he was drafted in the second round, and all the guys wide receivers ahead of him. I don't know who they are, and I'm not looking at it right now. But I bet you you'll be like, hmm. All right, let's go on to. Terrell was one of them. Um,
1: who? David Terrell. Was that that yeah. year? <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know. You yeah. can look it up. Let's go, Vernon Davis, uh, tier seven, and that's going to be he's going to be the 28th tight end. I mean, let's be honest, if Jordan Reed gets banged up, which he already is—the big toe injury. Vernon Davis has shown a nice little kind of resurgence in his career, and being like, you know what, I'm always, I'm ready to play every week. You, you you know, you know, you got me ready to go. You can make the game plan about Jordan Reed, but we know what might happen next week. So, Vernon Davis, unless you're in deep, deep leagues that have like 24 rounds, he's kind of undraftable. But he's a guy that you got to keep your eye on um, on the waiver wire because we know what can happen with Jordan.
1: I forgot to put him in my tears. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's, so, he's old. He what, doesn't seem to love the sport but he's still getting paid.
1: What number are we on right now? Where, 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 where's he at? He, for He's 28. I probably would have him about 33 to 35.
0: I'll tell you where I have him. I love I love your honesty here. Um, let me go down. Vernon Davis. I have a twenty-eight. Yeah, you don't have him at all. We got a dead spot for you. Uh, I got him at I got him higher than anybody else. Stags is thirty-four. You don't you forgot to draft him. Um, Heartbeats thirty-one. Right, that's Heart, uh, Archer's thirty-one, and then um, Heartbeats thirty. So we're all kind of in the same zone. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, for version four, dumbass, we'll make sure you get, get them in, the, in there.
1: In there. <laughs> We've all done that, I, I took Quincy and Nunwa out of my last one, so give me credit there. No, it's tough. You know, you're moving these guys
0: around, and some, all of a sudden you like copied and deleted and moving, and all of a sudden your phone rings, or your wife comes in, your dog starts taking a piss on, a, on the side of your couch. And then you deal with that, and you come back, and you didn't repeat, repaste. So it's understandable. I, life comes comes in on these documents.
1: Let's go to uh, Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen. Can he? Hey, hey, hey. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I, I'm just, I don't have many thoughts. It's just, for where he is right now, right? I, I mean, where are you really expecting him to get? A big amount of production right where are the targets going to come from look we, you got Gronkowski and you went through it when you when we were talking about Gronkowski you got Brandon Cooks you got Chris Hogan you got Danny Amendola you got Julian Edelman you got you, you got uh James White you got you got uh Mike Gillisley so and look Martellus Bennett was able to, to carve a niche out of there so if that's where you want to go, and Gronkowski, And we talked
0: about how injury prone Gronkowski is. If Gronkowski gets hurt, there ain't no black unicorn. He's he's Gronkowski now. I got to be honest. This is another guy that's undrafted. If you're in deeper leagues, this is a guy that could be your first drop. But at the same time, if Gronkowski that back uh, broken bone, forearm, every back is. Problematic, but right now he is. If Gronk gets hurt, which happens, he is the number one tight end. And let's use your your defense and all those options and all those weapons out of the backfield, out of the receiving game. We've seen this guy can catch a touchdown. Um, we thought he'd be much better on the in the Colts and with Luck than he was. Definitely, always was high on him his first couple of years in the season, in the league,
1: but. Maybe he's just now in the right situation. If well, The out. problem is, is that when he was drafted, remember he's going into a situation basically, which has played in his entire career, which is, I have another tight end. that is a better receiver than I am. Whether it was Kobe Fleener, um, in Indianapolis. And then, you know, even last year. So he goes into last season as being high. The and then all Doyle. of a sudden, Jack Doyle is the guy who emerges. Right. And, uh, yeah. Dwayne Allen played in 14 games. By the way, it wasn't like he missed half the season. He played in 14 games, 406 yards. I he's know. only had over 500 yards once. That was in his rookie year. Um, so these are things that are a concern to me. He's more of that blocking type of a guy. Um, he can he can be effective in the red zone, but he's not a guy that's effective in between the 20s. So you're not going to get a lot of yards out of him.
0: I agree. Keep your eye on him. I, I think he's undraftable in this year in super deep drafts. Uh, but if if Gronk gets hurt and all of a sudden maybe he lives up to the hype, I could see Brady doing
1: more for him than other so, quarterbacks. I mean, that's, a smart, with that's a before. smart thing to talk about here. So it's like it's not smart if you own Gronkowski to go and try to grab a Dwayne Allen. Um, it it's, these are for the leagues that where you are in. Very deep leagues. You're in dynasty leagues, uh, maybe where they have uh, where where people are able to keep uh, three, four, five players on a rookie reserve roster. So that takes a lot of the pool out of it. So you have to start diving into these deeper players. Well, at the beginning of the year. You may not own Gronk, but you may have, like, whatever you have there. But if you have that extra spot toward the bottom of your roster, you need to take chances on guys that have a potential to step up. And it depends on how your team is laid out. If you have tons of depth at running back and wide receiver, hey, take a shot. You know, draft him there because if Gronk goes down, then all of a sudden he does get vaulted into this bigger role. And maybe he does become a guy who goes from – Averaging 30 yards uh, a, a game to averaging 60 yards a game—that could easily happen.
0: I think it's a, that's a 24 draft league kind of scenario. I think um, honestly, I, there's as we've we've kind of covered. I think there's a lot of tight ends we we'd like more than a Dwayne Allen, but Dwayne Allen is in a deep league. When you're looking at other players, a handcuff for Gronk. If you got Gronk. Hank, you can late, late handcuff him with the Dwayne Allen and see what happens. Um, the tight end position has been great for the Patriots. Austin Safarian Jenkins. I'm not saying shit. I think it's the worst team in the NFL. I don't think they're. I think they'll probably score the least amount of points. What has this guy ever done? I know Jets fans and people that liked him, even when he's on the box are still saying, oh, this guy's going to turn the corner. This guy will be out of the league in two years, in my opinion. If it's any more than that, it's just wasting money of owners. What are your thoughts on. Uh, at,
1: well, A-S-J. I think we're, we're at this point in time, he understands that his livelihood in the NFL is on the on the line so I think he's become a more dedicated better professional he has all the tools in the world this is one of those ones where you're looking at players at this level if you're if you're Dwayne Allen who's who's never been a guy but he he has a potential because of the situation that he's in if Gronk goes down ASJ isn't he basically the starting tight end for for the New York Jets at this point in time
0: Right. Yeah, New who the the uh, worst in the I, I
1: understand. I understand. I don't want to think about that, but but he's also <laughs> has to be a good soldier. Has to be, you know, understanding. And they don't have a lot of. They have a look. They just lost Quincy and Noon So you're talking. Uh, their wide receivers right now are Robbie Anderson and was it Stewart, uh, or Darius Stewart? Are Darius Stewart? It. Yeah, yeah and, um, so yeah, from Alabama, um, you need people there. So automatically, he's vaulted up into a, a bigger role, and a guy who's potentially playing for a contract and playing for his NFL life. I'll at least take a chance at this point, especially with the talent that he has. That hey, if it doesn't work out, all I'm doing is cutting him. And remember, we're going again, and you 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 brought this up on
0: the last guy. We're talking right now we're going into uh, tight end 30 the, these guys are not draftable do not draft we're talking we we're going deeper into the 40 zone on the tight end just. For you guys that are in deeper leagues and have a lot of crazy rules and whatnot and keepers and all this stuff, but just you're not drafting the guys we're talking about right now. I mean, Austin Severian yeah. Jenkins is pretty much yeah. undraftable. Most of- uh, he's undraftable, he, even being the number one tight end for the team. I mean, the projections that you've got for this guy can't be more than three TDs. They can't be more than 400 yards, and is he? They can't be more than 40. Catches, you know this. But if things get rolling for him, and all of a sudden him and Hackenberg become the next friggin' uh, yin and yang, then be,
1: be be willing to jump on him. You know what I mean? The thing is, with these players, you have to understand that um, there a lot of them are dependent on different things to happen. So, but some of them are dependent on you are. Uh, either it's a low-talent guy but you're still a starting tight end or you're on a team that is dearth of talent or you are needing to have a player before you drop down in order for you to get a chance also are you a younger player who's ascending up at this point in time or, or an older player who's ascending down so who do you want to hit your wagon to at these points like when you talk about the next couple guys like Jermaine Gresham Ben Watson um Here's, what, here's what, I, I love what you're doing
0: right here. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna mention the next two tiers of guys. Before I do that, we're gonna listen to this. But we're gonna we're gonna mention the next two tiers of guys, and we're gonna just list them all out. And me and Houdini are gonna have a free for all talk because this point, there's a couple guys I really like. What I could see out of them. Uh, and the potential of them, than even guys we've already mentioned, like uh, ASJ. So do me a favor and uh, listen to, which will probably be our last advertisement of the show. Have a listen. Thanks. All right, thank you, guys. Basically what I'm going to do here in, with Dini is I'm just going to mention the next two tiers of guys. And we're going to have a little conversation about it, and then we're going to shut it down because all of these players we're mentioning right now, for better or worse, depends on what kind of league, how many teams you have on it, but a lot of the guys we're talking about, pretty much all of them, aren't draftable unless you're in a 12- to 14-team league or even a 10 and you're drafting 40, 24 rounds, 40, <laughs> 40 rounds. That would be awesome. 40, 40 rounds, but, you know, deep, deep rounds. And a lot of the leagues I'm in, sadly enough, we go 24 rounds. And it's like, oh, my God. But let's just do it. Jermaine Gresham was at the end of that seventh tier at, and, and, uh, um, tight end thirty one, and let's be honest. There's only reason that is is because Stag Party created this document, and for some reason he likes Jermaine Gresham. Uh I <laughs> I he Stag had Pace. him at twenty
1: eight, uh, right? Right where he's got him at. I, I look, he's a starting tight end, right? Um, with a, with a guy who normally doesn't throw to tight ends. I, you're not going to expect a lot of Jermaine Gresham, you know. So actually, and I think that we're. The person who is next, which is Ben Watson, I need to actually probably juxtapose him and Jermaine Gresham. I would probably move Jermaine Gresham back. I could move Jermaine Gresham back to 36, and I'll move Ben Watson up to 28. This is the one. Here's what we should do, Deanie. We're going to do tiers, tier
0: eight and tier nine. We got 32 tight end is Ben Watson. Set the Valve, who I like a lot, is the thirty-third in the in the eighth tier. Uh, Ed Sheehan, Sheheen. Oh, I got it! I got it. When I read it, I got it. Sorry, <laughs> brother. Uh, v- Vance McDonald, garbage. I'm not down with this program at all with him. And then let's go to tier number um, nine. Tyler Higby. I think the uh, upside with this guy is the best of anyone that I'm about to list mercedes lewis i mean how how can you ever want to have that guy on your team ryan griffin i kind of like him maybe as much as fedora hat it's weird i know gerald everett um he's a good rookie that that could happen josh hill no and eric swoop no I feel like Swoop's definitely another Stags guy that's
1: at 41, but he should be lower. Oh, well, it's interesting. Let, let's go to the guy that you say you're the highest on, Mr. Higby. All right? Yeah. So, Higby, who comes in at number 36, where do you have him ranked? I don't know. I yeah. can find out in a 81. minute. Hey, 31. 31.
0: What do I have? 31. Where does Houdini do have, have him? 26. Yeah, you got him higher. I, like it. I looked over two and I was like 52. 26, you got him Dude, Higby, okay, I like, I like yep. where you're thinking. Higby is going to be Goff's check down Charlie, and this guy is, they room together, yep. they're roommates, and this guy is an elite, elite athlete. Higby is going to be one of, out of all these guys we've talked about literally for ages, and me and Houdini's rankings are saying this. This is the best
1: pick out of all. I, yeah. He's got the upside. I like Higby. Um, I also I, I do like Ben Watson though. In, in this, and I, uh, Shaheen has the best. I, I like Shaheen as well because Shaheen, Zach Miller is not standing in his way. But I've talked enough about him. Here's why I like Ben Watson. Crockett Gilmore is gone <laughs> for the year. Gone, injury, injury reserve. Max Williams is dealing with injury. So with, with, uh, with him being questionable with injuries, that hurts as well. Um, you, you look at what's going on in Baltimore right now, it's, it's a complete menagerie. So the only other guys that are there, Larry Donnell, oh my God, Larry Donnell. No, that's not going to steal anything away. So I'm not worried about Nick Boyle, Larry Donnell, or Max Williams eating into Benjamin Watson. They had to bring in Jeremy Macklin. They are looking for anyone to, to catch the ball. And right now, Joe Flacco's injured. So if is it Ryan Mallett who's gonna be the quarterback at that point in time, Ben Watson's gonna get leaned on. I'm 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 sorry. Just by a victim of circumstance and, and the circumstance is injury in Maryland. And they're all injured in Maryland. So uh, I'm 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 high on, on Watson, but I agree with you. Higby Higby has that upside because it's also youth. It's also uh, looking at, at at where that growth is going to come. And in the second year, you're bringing in Gerald Everett, so you're brought in competition for him. That's why I think Everett. I have rated all the way down at 58. I don't know. I don't know why anyone you guys are that high on Gerald Everett right now. Higby's the guy there. So to me, it's Higby. Everett's a nice way to kind of push on him. It's Robert Woods and Tavon Austin. Dude's gonna get targets, man. You know, Cooper Cup. That's the other guy that's gonna get targets there. So it's Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby. I mean Robert Woods? Come on. You're on mute. <laughs> so D rex
0: I like I like I like Robert Woods. But I don't like Tavon Austin. Um, but I agree with what you say. You know, I, I, I do like an Everett, but that's only if Igby doesn't make it happen. But I think Higby's this guy is one of those kind of elite athletes at the position coming out of college. So we'll see. Again, all these guys are risks, unless you're in deep rounds, but Higby, uh, there's something that tells me with Goff starting week one, his roommate uh, check down Charlie going to tight end doing seven uh, to five yard ins and outs and making it real simple. It's kind of I think Higby could be kind of uh, LA's version of. Uh, Jarvis Landry or something at the time. Uh, it's almost position. more like
1: the way that they use Jordan Reed in, in Washington. Try to use him like when when they he was getting all those huge targets but he was only getting like ten point two yards per catch. It's just seven yard out, seven yard out, and just run out of bounds. Just catch it and get out of bounds. Catch it, get out of bounds. Don't get hit. Don't get hurt because you get hurt too often. Oh uh, no, that's Jordan Reed. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think uh, Higby, and I'll move on, not going to talk too much, but he was pretty much terrible last year. I think he just uh, was a guy that was a little overwhelmed by the speed, overwhelmed by a lot of playing in in the NFL, and I think he's a guy that I could see Jerry Rice was the same way in his rookie season. Dropped a lot of balls. Everyone's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with this guy? Next season, he was just like, all right, fuck that. I'm a badass. I could see that being Higby. Um, All right, not comparing him to Jerry Rice, but... I guess uh, I kind of yeah. did. Uh, <laughs> mindset. Yeah. Mindset. All right,
1: let's go to uh, Mercedes Lewis. I can't I can't vouch for that. Well, I mean, we're just talking about all the guys in here. So when I'm looking at this, uh, again, when I'm in this 32 to 40 range of tight ends, I want the younger guys, or I want the guys that just have no clear competition if they're a veteran. If there's competition – then I want to, I want to skew to the younger guy so um, you know Ryan Griffin becomes the interesting guy in here is a guy who's like shown propensity to be a decent receiver yet um, for whatever reason CJ Fedora go for the money SJf as you said um, you know go for it <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Um I, I, those two guys it's like they they almost eat into each other way too much for me to to have that much confidence but i kind of like ryan griffin a little bit too um but look we're all consistent 41 38 38 35 38
0: i mean that's a dead 38 i love it let's be honest buy the draft kit become a pyro pro and check out all these guys. We're going so deep into it. Like, we can't, I can't stand by any of these guys. Set the valve. Do I think he could? I, out of all the people we're talking about, Ryan Griffin, Higby, I like Gerald Everett a little bit, what he could be if Higby isn't. And set the valve. I can see these guys being top well, 20. The years. Is is that
1: if you really want to talk about these guys, then become a Pyro Pro member. Then send us your, your, your questions and second opinions about this because these are the ones that we go, hey, D Rex, did you see the second opinion? What do you think about this guy? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and <we> <laughs> I don't know. It
0: could be good, and then stack price like week six and nine. He's that's gonna it. have something.
1: And we're like, we're like, that's a good. We Putting our collective heads <laughs> together when it comes to these deeper minutiae type things like that, and it's like that's what's great. Uh, these conversations are not necessarily great for podcasts, but they're great for your own personal questions to answer your own personal team and we will take the time and you'll actually get the mind share. One person may be the name that's on the answer, but a lot of times we're all contributing into what is that answer. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Houdini, we thought we'd probably go in about two hours. We're at two hours and 45 minutes. I love talking fantasy football with you. I think we did a great job covering Oh, all the stuff that anyone would want to hear out of the tight end position. Uh, I know we had a couple questions asked to us that we were supposed to answer. Sorry, we're not answering them. We love you nonetheless. Uh, but, Deanie, let's do a fist bump through the, through the uh, yeah, we bumped it up. And uh love talking fantasy football. You're the man. Uh, it's so exciting. We're just, you guys got to check out the Pyro Pulse podcast by our boy Heartbeat. He's been, he's been super prolific. He's figuring out his way, and he's finding his voice. But he's got some amazing things. already interviewing J.J. Zacharison. He's going to be uh, interviewing uh, Mike Clay, I think, end of next week from ESPN. So he's just doing okay. some great stuff. So check that Pulse podcast out. Was that- uh, Houdini, what do,
1: you, what do you got to say? That Mike Clay, was that Mike Adobe? No, my clay. Adobe? Uh, A car made out of clay? Well, you know my clay, though. Come on. You know my Hunt.
0: Yeah. It's been... It's loose, and it's been fucked by every man in oh. town. <laughs> Your vagina has really been just absolutely obliterated by so many sailors. And one thing that is funny is that Houdini's job is grabbing um, swabs for vaginitis. <laughs> That's my job is just to grab swabs for
1: vaginitis? It's to, it's to sell more vaginitis customers, is it not? Um, it's to expand the test menu of, of, of my company, correct. We focus on women's health.
0: (laughs) I love you, Houdini. Good times talking to you. Can't wait for uh, next Wednesday when me and Stag Party will be doing running backs together. But what's up? 10 hours. I love you, Houdini. You're the man. 10 hours next week. This actually, I can't, I'm, I'm happy. We're under three hours. No music, no sound bites. Two people. Deanie, fist bump. Love you. We're shutting it down. Peace.